What is going on everyone out there in all these social media platforms world? We are so excited to be back with you guys as my camera glitches a little bit there uh, with our next episode of MNC Hoops. I think this is like episode maybe five or six that we've been coming back. So really excited to get in there. A lot of good games went on this week. A lot of, I'll say, soap operas in a way kind of happened with some, uh, we'll say, attitudes, different things going on that I, I can't wait to get your guys' take, especially you, CJ, and, and Nick, as always. I'd uh, like to hear what you all like to talk about on what all is going on. Of course, right now, got a game going on on ESPN. We'll dive into that. But before we get going, I would feel bad if I didn't ask how you guys are doing and how your week's been. So, Nick, we'll start with you. How you been doing, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. March Madness is approaching. Man, it's, it's, it's a good time for hoops at this point. You know, college is about to wrap up. They're about to start the tournament. The playoffs are a month away. We're getting into the best time for hoops right now, man. So all hoop heads should be just super excited about what's coming soon. Feeling great. Had a really good week. Feeling good, man. A lot of, a lot of great basketball this week. Ready to talk with you guys. Sounds good. As for myself, it's been it's been a hectic week. I will say that not been able to watch as much basketball as I wanted to, but did get to watch a few games. Uh, been working with my children a little bit as far as their dribbling. I'm about to change my camera to just my laptop if this keeps up. I apologize for that. But uh, put a couple of videos my wife did on Facebook where dribbling around. He's really starting to get into just dribbling a lot, which makes me excited because a lot of these kids, my my son's just six years old. Well, they're signed up for all three of them are, for literally which starts, I think, week after next. So I've been dribbling with him a little bit. But, you know, most of the kids want to do the shooting where you, you draw back and sling it up and it loses the form. But he's really just wanting to work on his crossover and between the legs. But by, between the legs is basically a high kick with a dribble between it. So, you know what, it is what it is. We'll take whatever we can get. Yeah, that's good. But, uh, that's good. You already know. Like, once you start shooting, definitely all around the world. That's right. Just so continue, you know, to do, continue to do that, man. He's going to be elite from everywhere around the court. I appreciate that. I, 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 that's what I think so, too, because, you know, everyone can learn to shoot later on. Uh, I think young, you kind of learn the incorrect way to shoot, and it hinders a lot of shots as they get older. So, I, And I've got him a uh, – I'd say it's a seven, seven-and-a-half, eight-foot goal that he shoots on some. So I don't want to put him up on that 10 in first grade, and a lot of people do that, and I think that's dumb. But, you know, he's already getting some of the dribbling drills out, you know, crossover, stuff like that. I already think he can dribble better than Jalen Brown. But, you know, Sheesh. we're getting there. So that's <laughs> Man, good. I know you're not I just hitting my guy. I just I had to say that for you, Nick. I sent, I, sent, I, sent you that little, I sent you that little snatchback like a week ago, man. Don't be disrespecting my guy, man. I know, I know. But, of course, <laughs> the game that I'm talking about is the Celtics and Knicks which are on ESPN right now. Uh, looks like Randall is about to get a technical on uh, replaying the technical. I'm sure you guys are way faster than what I am. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this game because, you know, it's the Knicks are hot right now. We took some – can they go on to this nine? Uh, in a row is, of course. So – and with that, I also want to say, are they the real deal now? Connection's a little choppy, bro. I don't know if that's just me, but no, nah, no, nah, it's, it's definitely not. Nah, I think his connection's bad. <laughs> I'm just letting you know now as okay. we start the show. All right, yeah, we're um, okay. Okay, I'll see what I can fix on it. All right, but but now I'll let I'll let CJ go first. The next guy. Uh, 
Yeah, so the Knicks have done a phenomenal job this year. Definitely it starts at the top. James Dolan being self-aware and understanding that, you know, he shouldn't be making basketball moves and he should let people that understand the game and understand the business of basketball to make those moves. And that's what he finally, that's what he finally did when he hired Leon Rose. And then Leon Rose, again, having a high, you know, business basketball IQ, come from CAA, running that agency, knowing Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau was available. He was a former coach of the year prior with the Chicago Bulls, had a lot of great success with the Bulls while many games and he was the best coach that the, the Knicks could have got easily uh, coming off of David Fisdale and you know unfortunately how unsuccessful that time was picked up Thibodeau and then everything changed from there also started in the draft the 2020 draft drafting Obi Toppin then drafting Emmanuel quickly as well later in that first round after that after you traded Markeith Morris to the Clippers that 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 first round pick that we acquired from the Clippers ended up being Emmanuel quickly. So that's that was, you know, that's one of the biggest trades could go down as one of the biggest trades um, in our franchise history. If this guy continues to play well at the level he's playing at to potentially be a six man of the year, I think, you know, he should be a starter. Uh, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. Bring in Julius, bring in Julius Randle in 2019. This is a guy who came from Kentucky, number seven pick. You know the type of dynamic, you know the type of, uh, he was a very dynamic basketball player then, <laughs> played that bully ball, worked on his game, played in the post with the Lakers, just didn't work out during that time. Lakers had some dysfunction, went to New Orleans and really and really showed out, kind of playing that secondary role, coming off the bench with Anthony Davis. A lot of people, black people forget, he played with Anthony Davis. So he got to see, you know, another great top 10 player after, after playing with Kobe as well, as soon as his Lakers career was done. He was able. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2019. He felt like he was going to be able to to contribute to this Knicks team, and you know he took a chance on himself and on on the franchise. And the first year was rough, and that second year, once they got Thibodeau, you know the the, the year that he had second team All NBA, just had a great year, All Star, leading the Knicks to the fourth seed. They got bounced out, but he still had a you know he still had a phenomenal year. No one expected him to have a year like that. The next last year. You know, I said the 40, the, the shooting splits 41, 31, 75, but we didn't have that point guard. We didn't have a point guard in there. He kind of had to do everything. Teams are really load up, make it tough for him, which led to the turnovers, which led to the stagnant offense. Tried to acquire Kemba, thought Kemba was going to be the answer after having Alfred Payton the year prior. That didn't work. And then this, you know, this last offseason that just passed, Jalen Brunson just falls right into the Knicks' hands. You have a, you know, a point guard, 26-year-old point guard, starting point guard on the free agent market. When you know, when you really rarely ever see that, you see most of these guys get locked up for, you know, extensions right away. They already have a couple years left on their deals prior, and they get the they get the extra four years on top of that. So it's really like a six-year deal. But the Mavericks didn't feel like, you know, he was a part of their future. And he became an unrestricted free agent, and they acquired him. And we see the year that he's having. He's, he's having, he should have been an all-star this year, no doubt about it. Uh, to me, he's a top five point guard in the NBA. Nick and I spoke about this on Friday. But you just look at the numbers, 49% from the field, 41% from three, 84% from the free throw line, 24 and six as a starter, career highs in three out of those four stats I just named. He's a leader on the team, the intangibles. Everywhere he's been, he's, he's won a championship, a national championship twice player of the year goes as soon as he gets an opportunity to be a second guy with the Mavericks they go to the Western Conference Finals have one of the best years they've had in a very long time since Dirk was there 
So we know his impact. And then now he comes with now he comes to the Knicks playing with Julius Randle. They're both having phenomenal years. It's been fun to watch. It really has been fun to watch. Obviously, this nine-game restriction on the line, going up against a phenomenal Boston Celtics team, number two seed in the Eastern Conference, going neck and neck with Milwaukee, obviously. So it's going to be a tough task. Right now, we're currently two and one against the, the Celtics in the series uh, division matchup. So, you know, if we were to lose still, still 500, I think that's a step up from last year where we were 0 and 4 against the Celtics. So, a uh, 1 and 3, excuse me, against the Celtics. So, just continuing to grow, continue to play well. Mitchell Robinson, a lot of people had questions about Mitchell Robinson and that extension. Can he stay healthy? People, some Nick fans wanted us to draft Jalen Duran out the draft. They felt like Mitchell was done for Mitchell Robinson. He can't get any better. He can't improve. He's one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. Hands down. But Steven Adams being out, he's number one. He's the best offensive rebounder hmm. in the NBA. He's done a great job of staying down, not getting in foul trouble often, which keeps him in the game. And when he's in the game, he's a, he's a presence for us because he's able to shrink the floor defensively and stop guys from getting to the paint and being what they're able to do. And with Thibodeau's ice defense, it's called an ice defense. That's what this is called. You, you shrink the defense and then have, have those guys take it out to the shooters and make sure you rotate and collapse and close out to, sh to, to force a contested three. That's that's what that's a tip, that's the defense that Thibodeau plays. That's the ice defense. Uh, it's worked for years. That's why he's been so successful. And those guys have bought in. Those guys have bought in. And Mitchell Robinson is a big factor in that. You look at what in Chicago Bulls, Joe Kim Noah won Defensive Player of the Year with Tom Thibodeau coaching him. So you need that presence in the middle. That's what he's been able to bring. R.J. Barrett is going to be the X factor. He just is. He's going to be that X factor for us. He's going to have to play well, averaging around 19.5 points per game. I just need the efficiency to increase and I need the off the ball shooting to be efficient as well. That catch and shoot, because they're going to start to load up on Julius and, and, uh, and Jalen, especially in the playoffs. So he's going to be have to, he's going to have to be able to dribble drive or space the floor and knock down those shots. If he's able to do that and, and also, you know, get to get to that left hand and be aggressive and attack. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit for this team. It really is because you know, I, I like our young guys as well. Everybody that's played for us this year, whether it's Sims, McBride, even Fournier for a game, Rose made an impact early. Those guys, everybody's made an impact. So it just, it just speaks to, you know, the type of chemistry that this team has had and also bringing in Josh Hart too and in the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, we, we talk about the big trades, KD and Kyrie, but this trade for, you know, what we needed uh, as a team going forward in the second half of the season and beyond, a guy that could do the little things, that could get the rebounds, that's willing to you know do the dirty work, get the offensive rebounds, guard multiple positions, uh, attack the basket in transition, put pressure on the defense, make sure those, if those guys are not if those bigs are not getting back, he's putting pressure on the defense, getting and ones because of that, and then the the the, the floor spacing too. If he's able to uh, space the floor, then he you know he he has to be in the closing lineup. He has to be. He has to be. So I'm just I've just been excited for what I've seen so far, man. We fight. You don't give up. You don't lay down for anybody against all those top teams in the Eastern Conference. We could we could we could come down and I could show you guys the games we in all of these games against all of these top teams. So for me, what it tells me is. I, I think I think we're one piece away. Or RJ improving, taking that next step. And I, I think we're going to be right there with these teams already, you know, battling right there fourth for that fourth, fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. Sky's the limit for this team. The chemistry is, is building right now. We're seeing the beginning stages of this team. Remember, we remember when we saw the beginning stages of the Celtics when Jalen, Jalen, and Jason started to just figure it out. This is like five years ago. 
this this is year one for the Knicks. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for for the upside for these players to continue to develop, and for what we've seen so far. And uh, I'm I'm just I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful as a Knicks fan. One thing I want to ask you with that kind of being said, I want to ask you as far as what do you think the limit is this year? I know you said sky's the limit. Do you think that they are close to topping out this year and they continue to grow as in years to come, as in like you're referring to as the Celtics, or do you think they can already be championship material? Listen, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a cap on these guys because I, I don't I don't know, you know, I, you just never know. You just never know. I mean, look at remember the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals. One, they, you know, they got they had that hot they had that hot playoff run. Right. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals, so any anything is anything is possible. Anything is possible, but I think you know I think this year again I think this is the early stages. I think obviously get to the playoffs. To me, getting past the first round would be a success, mm-hmm. uh, just because you could and and that beat up. That's to me that's a big success because that's the first year with Brunson and you're getting past the first round. So now you just you know you, the expectation is going to continue to rise. And all of our players have are made of the right stuff, man. They all have great work work ethic, great character. They play together. So I'm just I'm just so excited. And I think, you know, if, if we get if we get past the first round, I think the Cleveland mm-hmm. matchup, it's I think we could win that. We could win that series. I, I, I really like I like our chances because the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell's electric, Darius Garland is electric, but they're not great defenders. And Jalen Brunson is gonna make them work. And that's why I said RJ Barrett. Grimes and quickly in that series, and honestly, just going forward for us, is going to be the X factor. We need those three guys to be extremely consistent um, and complement with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. If those guys can step up when when Quentin Grimes is in the starting lineup, knocking down catch and shoot catch and shoot shots, spacing the floor, mm-hmm. hitting his threes, RJ same thing, quickly same thing and those guys step up defensively as well because they're going to have to defend because we know what Thibodeau's identity is I, I see us having success and I've seen these I've seen all three of those guys get better every single year so I'm not going to put a cap on this team but I, I would be to me I would see it as a success if they got to the second round and also made it competitive that that's really important too like making it there is okay but being competitive being relevant while you're there that's important as well let them know that it's it's not a fluke or anything like that uh i've just heard so many Knicks fans throughout the whole season you know just kind of talk bad about you know uh, tom thibodeau or so much of how he needs to be fired so much and all that stuff and how he's not the guy uh, the coach of the year a couple years ago was a fluke and now he seems to have them on a well-oiled ship going the right way. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, would just, like to speak I think to that, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, by all means, go ahead. Cause you know, yeah. I'm not saying wishy-washy on that, but you know, sometimes when you get down in sports, like you, you are mentally down on that too. And, and that's just kind of how you feel. And then all of a sudden you are back to, Hey, this guy is the man. So how do you feel on that? I go off what I see. I go off what I see. I, I never let narratives, I never let emotion, I never let any of that take away from what I see when I watch the game of basketball. And and for me, it's if you're to me, if you're not doing something schematically, I'm gonna say something. I'm not just gonna hold that in for what? Why? Let's talk about it. Let's discuss. We're all fans. And same thing for a player. You know, Julius struggled last year. That's just what it was. It's not he'll he'll tell you that, but you know what? He has mental toughness. He, a lot of a lot of players they could have been like oh trade me I can't take the pressure of the fans they're on my back right. oh I can't do this and that 
But what did he what did he do? He went in the lab, got better. And look at the year he's having right now. So that he he speaks to the identity of the city. We have players that speak to the identity of this city. And we have a coach also that speaks to the identity of the city. And he struggled last year. And I think obviously not having a point guard also kind of hurts your running an offense and bringing in Brunson. He's just been such a he was the missing piece. He was that missing piece. And, and not not just the missing piece for our roster, also the missing piece for what Thibodeau wants to do. So now this is why the offense looks so much better. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm excited. And again, I still have my reservations for sure. Absolutely. I still have my criticisms. We're not in the playoffs yet. We, we know for Thibodeau is sometimes doesn't want to counter and adjust. He, he takes he takes that lane and he whatever whatever his scheme is. This is what we're going to do the whole series. Right. And I feel like game by game basis, especially in the playoffs, because this is the only team you're right. playing every other day. It's a true chess match. Um, you just you have to adjust. You have to make counter moves. That's just imperative to me if you want to win. So, you know, I'm still I still want to see that. But, you know, from what I'm seeing right now, from everybody that I'm seeing contributing and making an impact, I have to give him his credit and I have no problem in doing that. Yeah, listen, I want to just say this. I think no one was saying anything that wasn't wasn't uh, at least had some factual evidence going with what they were saying in a way. You know, I don't think that they were just totally off off of the board out in right field, as we say in baseball, as far as what some of the comments were saying. I just think this team has finally either clicked on what they want to do and have come together and has made the the corrections that they need. And it's working because, you know, even last year. The Celtics is the prime example. I think it was January 6th. It might have been this, the day that we talked about or January 7th, somewhere around there, where they didn't lose but like maybe seven games, I think, for the rest of the year. So they had that turning point where I think might have been uh, Tatum got on Twitter and said, yeah, you're going to see a different team now. So they bought into the system of what they are changing and you know made the, the corrections that they needed to. I think the Knicks are just that, that team for this year. So I'm excited to watch them. Of course, any time that there's a Kentucky boy on the team, I'm, I'm happy to watch it. And, you know, the Knicks got two. A couple Kentucky guys. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But, Nick, I want to hear from you. I want to hear some negative about this team, though. I mean, I'm glad that they're on a eight-game win streak. They're down by 12, at least on my Appalachia internet that we have here. Down by what seven now. Used... We keep fighting, man. We keep fighting. Down seven. Okay. okay. I'm say it's seven now. Okay, good. They're fighting back then. But what is the thing that's going to hurt them most? Or do you think that they can actually make that run? Because, you know, they are fifth in the East as of right now before this game ends. Do you think they fall back? Do you think they wake up and we see the actual, the old Cinderella after midnight? Or are this team, like, legit and this is them? Like, I want to hear somebody not on cloud now with that Knicks hat on. And I'm not saying they're Cinderella. I'm just saying, what if that is the case? Nick, you watching the game? Talk to him. I mean, like, I mean, like, if you want me to say like anything like negative about them, I mean, the one thing I'll probably say is that, that they're not up there with Boston and Milwaukee. And I mean, that's totally fine, even Philly to a degree. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's like CJ said, it's year one for this mm-hmm. dynamic duel or big three, whatever you want to call it. Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and RJ Barrett. But I think one of the things you know you guys touched on like like last year. But I think you know I think one of the biggest differences is that is leadership now. Like CJ says, he um, Julius Randle got in the lab, got better. You know, had a horrible season this past year, and decided like, you know what? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this summer serious. I'm gonna work on my craft. That's what happened. Then on top of that, you get a guy like Jalen Brunson. We all know what he did last year. 
in the playoffs with Dallas. He comes into this year. He comes to New York, the bright lights. Comes in, has an all-star caliber year. In my opinion, he was an all-star snub. So I think what it is is that it stems from leadership, and then it's rubbing off on the rest of the team. Like, you know, like guys like, you know, Mitchell Robinson, guys like Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly. Like, you know, the rest of these guys are starting to step in and have really great seasons just because, you know, of what they see of the other guys who are setting the tone. So honestly, I like I like New York. I really like, you know, I think they have a real dog mentality. And I think honestly, man, I mean, I think they're all I think they're all just really bought in, honestly. Like I said, I mean, it really just stems from from uh from leadership. Um can they keep them can they keep the uh, momentum going? Honestly, I think they can. Like I'll be real, like I see them, I see the Knicks being I think the Knicks and Cleveland are like probably neck and neck right now. And I know a lot of people may not agree with that because, of, oh, they got Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. And it's like, I'm not taking anything away from them. I, I love those guys. Those are terrific players. But I think they're kind of in the same predicament. Like, this is year one for them as well with Donovan Mitchell and these guys. I mean, last year, I mean, last year they were a pretty young team and they made it to the playing tournament great. But now it's like, you know, now once you add a guy like Donovan Mitchell, now the now the chances are like now, like, you know, the chances and the, and the pressure is a little bit higher. So, I think the Knicks are fine, honestly. I mean, they're bought in defensively. You know, they share the ball. They share the wealth. And I think, you know, what CJ was alluding to, you know, can like do 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 they need another piece? And I'm just kind of thinking because coming into this year, I was really high on RJ Barrett. You know, because I think a lot of people may forget. You know, he had like a 45, 46 point game against Miami last year, so he had those flashes of what he could potentially be—a great scorer, great playmaker. I mean, he's even showed flashes of you know his playmaking even in this game. I don't know if maybe he needs more plays called for him. I don't know if Tibbs needs to really like really like initiate him within the offense more, but I still think RJ Barrett could be that guy. I still think that he has that opportunity. I just think that, you know, maybe he needs to adjust his game. Maybe the offense needs to be structured a little bit differently. But honestly, I would say at least give it another maybe year or two years, at least with RJ. And then if something doesn't work out, then maybe find another guy. But I feel like they're fine. I mean, you've got Julius Randle, you've got Jalen Brunson. Those guys are doing terrific. I think one of the biggest things that New York should do move forward is try to get RJ, RJ, you know, more more of in a rhythm on both ends and, you know, get him more implemented into the offense. I agree with that. Uh, my only thing is, is to me, that's almost going to be quickly now. Uh, I think RJ's got to be – that oh, yes, it is. <laughs> it's gonna be that. Uh, so okay, so that, okay, so you're saying RJ should be a third option over quickly? I mean, uh, uh, my bet quickly should be a third option over RJ. I'm thinking so, and I've not watched many Knicks games, so CJ, I want you to kind of answer this more I don't factual. Know about that. But but just watching this quickly, I think has to have the ball in his hand with the offense going. Now, does that mean he's the option to be the scorer? Ooh. Watching this. He's setting a lot of the pick or getting a lot of the picks. So, uh, I'm not even I can't wait to see it because I know it's going to But uh, Washington quickly kind of run the offense. Of course, Brunson's not in right now on my end, or, uh, so I'm assuming he's not in for you guys. Like, he's creating a lot. Oh, he just crossed him up pretty good. We also need to talk about this, too. Like, the Josh Hart trade might be one of the best trades of the deadline. So I, I like that quickly on my TV. Just did this little uh, – Hezzy there and got the M1. I'm pretty sure he's going to the free throw line. And you're all, is that what y'all was talking about a second ago, or are y'all still that far ahead of me? That's what I was talking about, the IQ M1. Okay. 
Yeah. So, I mean, to me, quickly is more younger, that guy that you can still mold to what you want. You know, to, you can still develop. I'm not saying RJ is old and he's done with. No, say, I mean, RJ, RJ, like, didn't they come in the same year? Or I think, or maybe, maybe I came in a year after. Just year okay. Part, okay. Yeah, yeah. It seems like RJ's been in the the NBA for like seven years to me. <laughs> but uh, I just think quickly is. He's more... in the same class as your boy. Who's my boy? Zion. Yeah, I mean, he's not really a boy. Just, I, was, I, was hot, I was hot man on that, and then he just has been hurt. I'm done with that. I've already broken up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got, but, two, uh, I got, you got two words, man. Julius. Oh, Randall. Oh, shoot. They're up. And even third, I didn't even see that. Oh, my God. That step back. Ooh. Okay, he just made it on my end. I'll be honest with you, that Grimes jump ball play on defense, that was more impressive to me. That he locked up, you know, Jalen crossover Brown and, we, and just tell, we fight took it for Tibbs has the perfect defense for today's NBA because all these teams swear they're the Warriors, but they're not. And they want to mm-hmm. jack up threes all day. As long as we rebound, we have a shot every single night because all these teams, they swear they're Golden State. They, they, they want to jack up 43s a night. And they don't have the type of marksman. You, you, okay. you shrink, you shrink, you shrink the paint, and you close out, and you can test those, you can test those shots and rebound and push the ball. And then you got the talent that we have. We're gonna have a chance every single night. Now, now here's where I'm nervous, and I'm. You might make fun of me when I say this, but you know when you guys don't make fun of me, I don't know. So this is what I'm worried about the Knicks. I'm afraid that they're going to get to that level where they don't know what to do next. Because like you've said, they need either an X factor to step up and and free agency come next year or sign trade something to that matter, or RJ takes over and steps up and becomes that guy as well. So here's my, my, my worry. Are they going to end up being the Miami heat where they're getting to be good? And then they don't want to lose any of their better players to try to improve their lineup by a key guy or they're going to say hey let's keep what we've got going on not mess with this culture and developer guys and then my opinion it's being a little lackey for Miami but then you got other teams that may have broken up stuff too early you know I'm just going to say Oklahoma for to make my point sound even more genius but you know we know it wasn't really like hey let's trade off for what we got but in the instance where they try to get the superstars or trade away superstars are you thinking anything like that, CJ, that you may see them try to keep this together and improve the roster that they have and that could come back to bottom, or would you be happy with them staying with that? And we're 27 minutes in with just Knicks, which is crazy, but it's good stuff, especially since the game's on. Yeah, I mean, it really just has to, again, I have to see things. I have to see things to make to make those type of jumps. Right now, I, I like this team. I, I just mm-hmm. I feel like we should stand – stand packed and, and, and keep these guys and continue to grow and develop. I, I don't think this is the team where you need to trade a bunch of guys. It was close. Listen, the Hawks traded three first round picks and, and a player for, for DeJounte. DeJounte had 41 the other night. Fantastic player. Fantastic player. Uh, but I don't think he's had the type of impact that Jalen Brunson has had. We, um, we, we almost tried to trade Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, and six first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. It didn't happen. We said we said chill. We're not Minnesota. You're not gonna gut us. You're not gonna gut our roster like that. We love Donovan. 
maybe we'll wait three years from now. But we're not, we're not, you're not going to gut our roster like this. We're good. We're going to stay patient. And what happens? You know, right now we're one, one game out of, from the Cavs. And they have Donovan Mitchell. And we don't. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm down with staying back right now. This team is very mm-hmm. young. Uh, the, oldest, the oldest player that plays on this team in our rotation is Randall, and he's 28. So mm-hmm. I, I, think, <laughs> I think we're good, and uh, we don't need to make a big move. We still have seven first-round picks over the next three, three or so years, I, I believe. Oh, wow. So you still have more compensation if you want to make a move. I, I love again. I love our future and I love our present. And um, I'm just again. I'm just excited for the third option thing. I would still like to see RJ be the third option. But remember, I also said RJ quickly and Grimes. We need all mm-hmm. three of those guys uh, to be to be consistent and efficient in complement with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And we're gonna we're gonna have a chance every single night. And, and what and what Hart's ability to do defensively. Well, Hart's ability to do defensively with quickly, quickly is just improved defensively, man. I'm just, I've just been so impressed with his defense, man. His ability to stay in front of people. It was a plus at the University of Kentucky, but uh, for for him to, you know, put some weight on, I believe he's over 190 now. Mm-hmm. Staying in front of guys, just you know, you know, it's just I'm, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed with his development, man. I'm so excited. It's just, it's just, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful, man. That's that's the best adjective I could use right now. It's, it's, uh, it's just true gratitude. Okay. I know this is almost comical to ask now, but technically they're up three with less than 11 minutes to go on my TV. It's actually 1030 right now left. Do they hold on to win this game? I mean, this this these, these few minutes right here is going to be very key. No Randall on the court. So, you know, Hart, Hartenstein, RJ is going to have to step up. Um, you know, he had a nice layup earlier. Mm-hmm. We're, gonna, we're gonna need those guys to, you know, really, really play well because Tatum's on the court right now, and he, you know, you know, he's gonna be able to get get some big time possessions also. So um, it's just scrappy. Got to play. We got to play well. We got to play well. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm liking the Knicks team just for the fact that they don't really have like super superstars, and I feel like you know they've bought into that, like persona way like hey we're just gonna kind on you until we get what we need play together oh, yeah, I'm, gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest i think we do have a superstar i think jalen brunson is a superstar <laughs> uh, well i'm just saying like and that's fine and i'm fine i'm just saying like you know the well uh established you know like all over commercial stuff like that's what i mean like there's not anything on the team that's everyone's like seeing all over the world basically like advertised no mainstream guys yeah 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 elaborate on that uh on that cj you know um jalen brunson being a superstar i mean he's just right below jaron fox but keep i just going. feel like, i just <laughs> not not a chance not a chance I'm staying I, just out think of he has the, I just think he has the, the, the qualities it's just it's just his first year being the guy and look what he's done bro it's just like it's like he's been here already. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what that's really what he's playing like. He's playing like he's done this already for multiple years, and we just picked him up out of the sky. It's, no, that's not what happened. 2018, he was coming off the bench. 19 off the bench. 20 off the bench. 21. It wasn't until last year he had an opportunity to you know play you know play a significant amount of games, develop, grow, get to hit, learn how to get to his spots quick. 
and truly become a point guard because that's what we saw in Villanova, but it took some time for him in his first few years in the NBA. And we saw the success that Dallas had. They had them they had one of their most successful seasons since Dirk was there. I, you know, I had said that earlier. Mm-hmm. So his impact speaks true to winning. That's why I feel like I, I, I call him that. And for me, when I look at superstars, they impact winning. And the moment he gets to this team, we go from 11th to fourth in the Eastern Conference. And we really didn't change much in the roster. We added Hart and we added Hart, Hart and Hartenstein, and we added Brunson. Y'all took a big loss when y'all got rid of Cam Reddish. <laughs> I don't think you, you being sarcastic, right? This is a steal. Yeah. Steal. My goodness. Anything else we need to cover as far as the Knicks possibly winning? Q, they up six, baby. Wow, this guy, this guy's special. This guy's special. And I'm telling you, and I, and I told, Kentucky, and I, I had, oh yeah, go ahead, bro, go ahead, bro. I'll tell you. Well, just I'll, at Kentucky, he he wasn't like our superstar. He wasn't our main. Like he was probably our fourth option. I I'm not saying he was. He was coming off the bench for Maxi, wasn't he? I he think so. Off the bench like, for yeah. Hero in the beginning. Yeah, the and I think year, later on he year. was he was coming in starting, but like most of the time he was the second string, and and he I was when I seen that he was. Well, I was just gonna say when I seen that he was drafted, I was like. Okay, that's awesome. I didn't think he'd be drafted, but, you know, he's got potential. So let's see where it goes. You know, awesome. This is be great. Mr. Hustle, always smiling. He always seems like he's having a good time. Oh, you see RJ. Oh. And, and he's doing great. <laughs> Come on, man. Yo, this still not miss a go, though, man. I, <laughs> I love this team. Quickly, at Kentucky, his first, his freshman year, he came off the bench uh, and it was behind Hero, right? Mm-hmm. He struggled. Couldn't really get a shot going. Couldn't really get to the basket because he didn't have. But he the played strength, defense. But he played defense. I believe it was wasn't he the SEC play, defensive player of the year? Uh, his sophomore he, season. He possibly was. I, I'm not going to say yes. Or he was. He was either. He was either SEC player of the year or defensive player of the year. It was. It was one or the other. Uh, I would say it's defense player of the year because I was looking at his play. I was looking at his player profile when he got drafted. I looked at all his shooting clips. I, I, I was locked in. I wanted to know who he was, and I was a fan. And then, for, of course, the defense too is, is what impressed me. Now his ability to create, even in the rookie season, he had 30-point games. He could get to his spots because he, he developed that floater. His, his For him, his rookie season, to develop a shot that you, that's always going to be there because teams don't respect the mid-range. Right. And th- this, is another, this is another thing, too. This is so perfect. I'm so, I'm so glad I remember this. With Julius Randle... With, I mean, with Julius Brunson and with Julius, what Julius, what Randall and Brunson do, their ability to get to their spots in the mid range. In the mid range, why? What are, what are these? What are these little analytic guys that tell these teams? Oh, don't worry, don't worry about the midi. The mid, the mid range is dead. The mid range shot is dead. Mm-hmm. Threes and layups. Three threes and layups. Disgusting narrative. Disgusting, bro. These guys, narrative. but but because of that, when you set that screen. That center drops so low, it gives that mm-hmm. that that that's that 17 to 18 foot area is there all the time for these guys. That's why Chris Paul gets to his back. KD gets to his spot in those areas. Kawhi, Booker, Kyrie, Luca, all, all of the top guys get to their spots in the mid-range. If they need a bucket, that's where they go to. Jalen Brunson gets to it in the mid-range. 
Julius Randle as well. I'm really hoping, I'm waiting and praying for RJ to get to get that bag in the mid-range too. Then, I mean, the sky's the limit and we're already playing at a high level and quickly also has the mid-range because that floater is such, it's so money. It's so money, man. And that's that's another thing that people, that makes our offense, even though we're, you know, bottom five and assists per game, but with that element right there, with their efficiency in the mid-range, it makes up for a lot of things because now if they're knocking down those shots at an efficient clip, the defense has to collapse, which creates better spacing and easier opportunities for those shooters. That's why I said Grimes, RJ. That's why if they if they're knocking down their shot efficiently on a catch and shoot level, gratitude, gratitude. So, real quick, two que- or one questions. I need one number for both of you all. And then we'll move on to our next little topic that we got here. In the regular season, the second half, where do you see them, Nick, finishing in the top ten? What where are they at? Where are they at right now? Hang on, let's check. Five. Where they are right now? They're five. And I think I'll they're say, a game and a half behind fourth, maybe. I'll say they finish at least top six. I think it could happen. Because right now they're right ahead of uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, even though I, I still think Brooklyn could be a playing team, but they will they will drop out of the top six in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami might take that next step up, but could Miami possibly surpass New York? Who knows? But I definitely still see New York going being at least top six. CJ, where do you see them finishing this season, the regular season? Top ten. Yeah, I see. I see top four. I can. I see top, top four. Four. I can oh. see. I can see us getting that four spot. I can see us getting. I can see us getting that four spot. We're playing together. We're really playing at a, at a great rhythm right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see why that's not. It's, it's very possible. It's very possible. We're, we're a game back, so um, it, it's very. It's it's a goal that can be accomplished if they continue to play at the level they're playing right now. I I really think it's possible. I think you're a game and a half back, but after this, it'll let you know game or two back. Uh, I'm going to say that they finish at five, and I know that's kind of not saying anything since they are five, but I don't think the Nets make a push to try to jump over them. I actually, like, I agree with you, Nick, they fall back. Um, Nick's that's funny. Nick, I think they fall back. Heat maybe can get there, but I just, I feel like the Heat are not going to make any kind of run whatsoever. So I'm going to say that they finish where they're at. Cavs are pretty solid. I think they got a weaker schedule, so I'm going to say they finish where they're at here. All right, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and move on over to our next uh, – what it is we're going to get into kind of a recap segment here, if you will. Uh, had some good games going on as CJ's are up here. The Suns-Mavericks recap. Go ahead and pull up the score. I want to do that because, you know, we had some good stuff happening in that. The uh, storylines, of course, you've got KD facing Kyrie for the first time as not teammates. Here we are in Dallas and uh, the Suns. Of course, the Suns do win 130 to 126. It was a close game all the way up to pretty much the finish. Suns outscored them in the fourth quarter and ended up winning by four. So it's neck and neck. We had a bit of a scuffle. Um, not for sure what all led up to it, but I definitely seen it over any kind of Instagram, Facebook. It looked like uh, Luca was ready to move in on my bubble booker, and I was upset. I thought he was about to get a kiss, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit. 
I'm playing on that, Nick. So you got to pause. What on that do one, you? Sorry. I know that was a little too much. I I, I disagree. <laughs> I'm a, I, I totally I digress what I said. But uh, how did you feel about this game? Were you able to watch most of it? Uh, also, CJ, I'm going to take away that Suns Mavs on you. Okay, you already did, didn't you? Just so we can see that face. Let's hear what your thoughts are. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the majority of the game, but I definitely did watch it down the stretch. Um, I would say, I mean, we actually discussed this about a few weeks ago, you know, like as far as, you know, last possession or, you know, going like, you know, game down the stretch, whose who's hands would you hold the ball in more? Would it be Devin Booker, Kevin Durant? And I think we all, or maybe me and CJ agree. I don't know about you, Michael, but we definitely said Kevin Durant. Like, I think with his scoring ability and look, I mean, honestly, these two so far, like they've been just a tandem and I feel like, 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 this is what I mean when I say that Kevin Durant is one of the more selfless players in the NBA. You know, I know that he's not going to impact the game from, like, an assist perspective as far as, like, you know, passing or whatever. But, you know, what he's been doing so far is, like, you know, being the second man behind Devin Booker so far it really shows that, you know, that he understands his role with this team. And all he's really to do, all he's really here to do is, just, you know, is just help elevate the team. And I, and I think that's what we're seeing on, on both ends, to be honest. You know, he's being great defensively. On offense, you know, he's definitely scoring at a very high level. You know, pa- his passing has been pretty decent. So I love it. And, and, you know, as far as this game here, you know, with the tandem of those two against, you know, Kyrie and and Luka, phenomenal basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are four dynamic scores. So, you know, we definitely – I mean, everybody should definitely have known that this was going to be a really high-level game. And it really went down to the wire, honestly. You know, um, Luka and Kyrie, they had, a, they had a good game on their end. Um, I know that you were talking about the whole um, – the whole – Booker and Luca little situation, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, look, I mean, that's that's just friendly competition right there, man. But I'm I want to say this, man. Like, I I need this in seven games. I need this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need this rematch, man. Second round conference finals, whatever it is, I need this, man. Both teams, in my opinion, have gotten better since the previous season. So that's what that's what's just gonna make it even more even more competitive to me. So. You know, and, and then and then of course, you know, the nearest, you know, Kyrie and KD going up against each other in the playoffs. And you know, we all know what happened in Brooklyn. They weren't able to make a lot of noise. They only they only won one playoff series. But I mean, this this is the this is this is what the NBA playoffs would be all about if these two teams were to meet up. Um, so this is a good game. I'm happy to have watched, you know, towards the end of it and hope to see more of it. Now I want to ask you this, CJ, because you know, Nick, he did say that the scuffle, if you will, between Luca and Booker uh, was just kind of competition, you know, two, two competitive people going at it. This is not the first time that we've seen these two kind of have something going on. I think uh, last year during the playoffs, they had a little bout where they were going head-to-head like this, at least having words when I say head-to-head on that. Is this – and, of course, I want to hear your take as far as the game, how it went, of course, on all that. But is this kind of being a rivalry game? And, of course, we know it, it's Phoenix and my, uh, the Miami – Phoenix and uh, Mavericks, and they're close already. So is this starting to be like a, you know, one of these, I'm going to say, Duke-North Carolina-type rivalries where we're expecting this every time? Dallas Mavericks-Phoenix Suns, definitely is going to be a rivalry. It was a rivalry even when Steve Nash and, and Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki were, were, were playing. It was definitely something they used to go at it. When it was Avery Johnson and and Mike D'Antoni going at it uh, each and every year, both of those teams were top in the Western Conference. Steve Nash, Dirk, both won MVPs during those times in their prime. So they had been, this this is nothing new for either either team, either fan uh, fan bases of either franchise. 
this is this is uh, something special. And now, from what we saw last year, what Nick alluded to, and the seven game series, how that went, the back and forth between both squads, um, and then ultimately seeing what happened in Game Seven, and with Dallas abling to respond and you know just end that series and in such a you know a dominating fashion. There were questions going into this year about both squads. Do they have enough to contend? And I think there's, there's no question that to me, there's no doubt in my mind that they looked at what the Mavericks did in acquiring Kyrie and was like, okay, listen, we love Mikhail Bridges. We love Cam Johnson, but we need to make this move for Kevin Durant. We need to try to win a championship and contend. We, we can't let the Mavericks get one up on us again by them adding Kyrie and we don't add anybody else. They go and add KD. And, and again, it just adds to this this phenomenal rivalry. And I think for as long as KD and Kyrie are there, uh, we're going to continue to see great basketball. And it's going to even continue to be great after those guys leave because Luka and Booker are still really young. So they're going to be able to carry franchises later into their careers also. This game was, was everything we wanted. It was a classic. It, it lived up to the hype. This is the KD versus Kyrie, the first time they've, meet, they've met up after being Brooklyn Nets, being on the Brooklyn Nets. We wanted to see the fireworks, and, and that's what we got. Kevin Durant, 37 on 12 of 17 shooting, 7 and 6. Uh, unstoppable, really unstoppable. One of the most unstoppable, unguardable players we've ever seen. Just his ability to get to – everywhere is his spot. Everywhere is his spot. His ability to rise up regardless of who's in his face, off-angle shots, off-one-leg, floaters – spin arounds, he just he just sees the rim and your your hand that you're contesting, he, he he doesn't see it. He just doesn't see your hand. He's so tall. So it's just, he's a bucket. And I see people are saying, what makes KD, this is NBA Twitter, Comedy Central, I like to call it. They say, what what KD, what, what makes KD so great? Like what makes him so great? He just, he just shoots jump shots. He's just a jump shooter. Like absolutely disgusting, lazy takes, right? And my thing is, you're not really thinking about the game. You're really doing yourself a disservice as a fan because his ability to make those shots at an efficient clip, the defense has to sink, and it's creating open shots for everybody else around him. I mean, it's just common basketball sense, and I feel like they get their emotions or however they feel about KD, and, and it takes away from the impact and how well he's really playing, and it's also taking away like how you feel and, and how you really see in the game of basketball. So. I appreciate his game tenfold and him going to the Suns makes them a powerhouse. It makes them a powerhouse. I think they they could come out the West. They, they could definitely come out the West. Them and, and Denver, it's gonna that, that would be a phenomenal seven game series. Even them in uh Golden State, Suns, Suns and, and, Go, and the Warriors. Woo. That's that's a phenomenal series. If somehow the Lakers and LeBron I, you know he's in a he's in a walking boot. He can't he can't even walk on on that foot. He's rolling around in the scooter. So I have no clue what his timetable is for return. But if they're able to get together, we'll see. We'll see. I just I got Lakers on the we'll see side now. I just it's it's too many injuries for me to put full trust in them like I did a few weeks ago. But Phoenix versus Denver, Phoenix versus Golden State. Those those are going to be phenomenal. Those are going to be phenomenal series if we if we see those matchups. I think both of those series go seven uh, easily, and we and we could also we could also see Dallas versus Phoenix also en route to those teams, depending on how the seeding looks that, down the road. 
it just the game just went back and forth and Kyrie stepped up. Kyrie hit some big shots. Luca hit some big shots. It was just it was it was a great game. It really was. It really was. And Chris Paul really didn't have it going offensively. DeAndre Ayton didn't have it going from a scoring standpoint, but it was big time when it came to rebounds. Um, Ish Wainwright hit some big shots in the corner because uh, Luca had to sag off because Booker was in there. It really what happened during that scuffle was Luca had an opportunity to tie it up. He missed the layup. And Booker had said something after the timeout was called that Luca didn't like. And then they kind of get in, they kind of get into their uh got to get to each other's faces and get at it. And you know, they're both smiling. You know, it's you know, it's just they're not really gonna do anything. You know, they're not really gonna do right. anything. Luca says after the game, he says it's just basketball, it's competition. He said he just wish Booker would have, you know, would have started talking during the game as opposed to waiting until the end of the game to kind of talk trash from with, with three seconds left. So again, it just keeps that rivalry fresh between both guys, and mm-hmm. I think it's fun. It's good for the NBA. I think it's great for the NBA because it tells stories. And when we look down years down the road, we're going to talk about Luca versus Booker, and we're going to see who came out on who came out on top of uh, of those matchup series. So it's exciting. And now you add KD and Kyrie to the to the chapters in their stories in this rivalry. I think it's beautiful basketball, and I can't wait to see them match up later on, and and also down the road in, in the future for years to come. If there's a chance that Kyrie stays a Mav at the end of the year for next season, and KD of course stays a Sun, which I think that's definitely legit, uh, I think that's definitely going to be a Christmas game, don't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely going to be a Christmas game. Yeah. Yes, and sir. That would be, be high-powered offenses. Yeah, that, that one would be fun to watch too. Again, I think Christmas night. With some, I mean, because really, not giving me, give me afternoon, give me two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I, I think it's going to be one of the best games. To be honest with you, which whatever jerseys the Suns decide to wear that are, are the best, and then the Mavs come up. Mavs usually do bring some good jerseys, so I think that's going to be two good jersey not of a Christmas. Night Speaking of jerseys, way. like those, sun, the Suns need to keep those purple jerseys forever. You think so? Those throwback I'm okay ones. Yes, I love them. It kills me to refer to them as throwback because those were like my childhood jerseys, you know. Like that's <laughs> I mean, what they were when I was growing up. So they're not throwback; they're originals. I mean, it's but, still throwbacks. I mean, they wore them in the nineties. I, I know, man. But uh, yeah, I think the Suns Mavs Christmas game next year, twenty twenty three, will be great. Uh, I'm just happy this. I hope we get this matchup somehow in the playoffs in the Western Conference Finals would be wonderful. I don't think that's going to happen. But it was a great game. Great recap of that, you two guys. Now let's just go ahead and transition on over to our other game, which, Nick, I'll let you go first on this one as well because I'm sure you want to oh talk about Oh, my God. I really uh, don't, but we can, I guess. Well, I mean, it's at least your team. And so, you know, we had a great game, at least, between the Warriors and the Lakers that went on. I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? That game was yesterday. And, the um, game? Yeah. You're talking about Warriors the Warriors and Lakers? Warriors and Lakers. That was today. That was today. Good Lord. <laughs> I had a birthday party for one of my nieces as well. This day has been very long. No, so last last I night it was Sixers Bucks. And we'll, we'll definitely okay, get to that. That's, okay. Okay. But let's go ahead and go on over to the Lakers and the Warriors game because, Nick, I know you want to say a lot about this game, right? Um, I'm just going to bring up a stat. 
and it's not a pleasing stat. Seven and twenty-five, I believe, on the road. That's what the Warriors have been this year. That's crazy. It's been abysmal. Um, luckily, the thing about it is that I mean, we've been in most of these games, but this one in particular, I mean, you got to give credit to the Lakers. You know, the Lakers shot the ball well. You know, this this new team, like I, I love this new team. You know, they play well. They execute on both ends. You know, role guys, role, role players come in to step in. You know, just you know, and play hard. Guys like Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Austin Reeves, Lonnie Walker. So you got to give credit where credit is due. Anthony Davis has continued to lead the way, at least for the Lakers. You know, had a strong performance as well, had a nice double-double in this game and even in the last game as well. So he's definitely stepping up in the place of LeBron, you know, while LeBron is sidelined due to that foot injury. So give kudos to him. But I think, you know, and even for a lot of people on Warriors Twitter, we're – a lot of these rotations that Steve Kerr implements into the lineup, especially in the closing lineups, just don't necessarily make sense to me. Like, and look, I like guys like Anthony Lamb and these guys, but I just do not think that they are worthy of being in some of the closing lineups to me, especially in this contest per se. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Warriors sort of complain about it. And honestly, I can really see what they're talking about. So I don't know what, Kerr is doing. I don't know if he's trying to try new techniques, try new experiences, you know, with different lineups, but at least, you know, down the stretch of the game, you know, we need to have our core guys. Steph, Clay, obviously, Jordan Poole, Draymond, and then obviously Wiggins, whenever he does get back, but we don't know his timetable as far as his return. Um, but honestly, man, I mean, the road has not been playing on the road has not been the strength of the Warriors this year. I don't know what it is. I guess, you know, and look, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, whenever whenever we do play a chase, you know, it's a different energy. We've got the crowd behind us. And, you know, we're, we're in familiar territory. But when it comes to just playing on the road, it's not necessarily the best the best experience. So the Warriors are obviously still a team that will be in the plan, in my opinion. They will be in that playing spot and they will make it to the playoffs. But with them being so horrible on the road, you know what I'm saying? Like they're I don't know. I don't know what chance anybody can really give them getting out of the first round, especially you know, if, if we're like especially like if we're the AC and we gotta play Denver on the road, those first two games on the road, and then a potential game seven in their home at their home building, like you know what I'm saying. I mean, you know, obviously it's the Warriors, you know, they can get it done because they've been in these they've been in these hostile territories before, you know. We've been in these big pressure playoff situations, but given this roster and given you know how things have gone this year, you know, it hasn't been great for them on the road this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of looking at stats, because I can't remember this game. I, it must have been when I was at the party anyways. But just looking at, of course, I'm using shout-out Bleacher Report on their stat lines here. Uh, Golden State shot 40% field goal, 35 from three, 83 from the free throws. Uh, Lakers were 44 from the field goal uh, percentage, 3.33, and free throws was 82. Really, the Lakers made – Let's see here. Six more buckets, and there are twos, and they made three more free throws. That's really it. It looks like, as far as this, because, you know, Golden State made seven more three-pointers, which is going to be usually the case for any Golden State team. But really, it was the turnovers, and they only had about five to six more turnovers than the Lakers, and it was just 12. So it's almost like they turned the ball over, and the Lakers took advantage of that by just trying to read a stat sheet on there. So it looks like when the Lakers got a turnover on defense, they capitalize on it, and that's really the difference in this game. 
CJ, am I reading the stat line right on that? Because as far as shooting percentages on everything else, they look pretty much neck and neck. It's just the Lakers called some turnovers and got some easy buckets. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. The Lakers did a really yeah. good job. Yeah, the Lakers did a really good job defensively in this game. They stopped Golden State from, you know, really doing what they want to do, which is knock down threes. They just didn't have it going uh, from three, unfortunately, um, for, for Golden State. And Anthony Davis went crazy. 39 points, eight rebounds, six assists. They didn't have an answer for him. His, if, he's, if he's on, he's active, he's aggressive, like we saw tonight, then – they're going to win a couple games without LeBron. They should be able to win a few games without LeBron. That's how talented he is. We need to, I'm not saying 39 every single night, but definitely 30 uh, every night with, you know, with assists and all those other guys need to step up. Austin Reeves did a really good job knocking down threes, getting, doing the hustle plays. We know what Jared Vanderbilt brings to the team, him doing the little things, getting offensive rebounds, his defensive versatility, if his shot is on, but you know that that also adds another factor. If he's able, if he's able to space the floor, they don't have D'Lo. I'm not sure when he's going to come back. We know the time. I'm not sure about the timetable for LeBron. They said he before they said he doesn't need surgery. Then they said he might need surgery. So I, I, I'm not sure what uh, what the status of LeBron James is going to be going forward. But you know, for right now in these present games, you know, this is a really good opportunity for Anthony Davis to show Laker fans, I'm here. I'm going to be here for the long run post LeBron. Um, and, and this is kind of a, an early introduction to this uh, because I'm going to stay healthy. I'm going to dominate on both ends. I'm going to be a leader uh, for everybody that's going to be on the court. I'm going to make things easier for everybody else on the court. And he's done that over the last few games. And hopefully he's continuing to keep it up because they're going to need it. They're going to need to play almost damn near perfect and, and lock up defensively um, if they want to be able to get to uh, a potential playoff push. Sorry, I just saw Jalen Brown actually tried to drive and shoot a completely contested shot. It looked awful. But, uh, yeah, I mean – What about his dribbling? I mean, it, it got him nowhere. <laughs> and then you got Quickly who just said, whoops, gotcha, and now should have been an and one, but it wasn't. But uh, my thing with the Lakers – and you, you guys know I don't like LeBron as – my superstar. I just, I'm a, I'm a hater. I don't care to admit it. I'm a hater. I'm, I'm jealous of him. I guess you could say you're jealous of him. I I mean, look at him. He he's, he's the greatest of this era. I, I included the word of this era, but, uh, the Lakers are still a, a good team. Like I don't want to compare them to the Knicks, but if they buy into their system and really commit to it, like everyone pitching on this, they're still okay. Like, I don't think they're out of it yet. And looking at some of the Twitter, some people even said that the better team won this game. Now, what do you all feel on that? that? Now, is that for, like, their current rosters or just the better team that played today won? At least at least for today, they were the better team. You know, they okay, sh- okay. shared the ball. Oh, God. oh, yeah, they're up seven. They're up seven, baby. <laughs> they're only <laughs> up four on mine. But uh, but um, black back to the Lakers, man. I mean, they they were clearly the better team today, you know, throughout the majority of the contest. And I guess you know the one thing that you could say about Golden State is that you know it also hasn't helped with Steph with Steph being in and out of the lineup. It hasn't really helped to a degree. So, you know, this different lineups were saying, you know, we got to you know rebuild the chemistry and what have you. So that also plays a role as well, you know, with us having so many different lineups and everything. So, but give credit to the Lakers; they were the better team today. They 
had the overall better supporting cast per se. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, great, you know, Austin Reeves had a good game, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, who was probably one of my favorite, probably my favorite role player for this team. And then of course, like, and then of course, like I mentioned, Anthony Davis is leading the way 39 points, like CJ mentioned. So they were clearly the better team today, at least. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as overall. I still think both teams still have a lot of things to figure out at least over this next month, and then we may possibly see. But definitely today, you got to you got to the Lakers. You know, they played an overall better game. The Warriors had to play catch-up for just about most of the game, and the Lakers were pretty much, you know, locked in throughout the entire 48 minutes. So have they said yet how long LeBron is going to be out? Because I know you said, CJ, possibly surgery, possibly not. They're kind of back and forth on that. I think they said like what two to four weeks. Yeah, they said three. Yeah, around like three weeks or so. He he, he okay. should he should be back. Uh, but again, this is he he injured his left foot earlier in the season. Now mm-hmm. the the foot that's injured right now is the right right foot mm-hmm. slash ankle. So I got prayers up. Obviously, I want to see him out there. But this is he's not he's human. He's human, man. These are these are this is the you know the, the end stages and the end years of LeBron's career, and you know the, that that mileage that he's been you know that's on his body is catching up to him a little bit with some of these you know knickknack type injuries. He's been hurt for the majority of his Laker uh, really career. First year, first year they played well, even with the young core. But the reason why people didn't think it worked, it didn't work with the young core, is because he got hurt with that groin injury. I felt like if they had more time together. With, with, with Ingram, with B.I., with Hart, with Kuzma and those guys. I feel like if they had a, more time together and, and a better coach, um, then I, I think it's very possible Oops. that um, – Here we are on a live show, and Nick over here scrolling through Twitter, playing on stuff. On the yeah, big think, screen, too. I'm looking on stats, man, yeah. and being professional. We're, we're moving now. You've been demoted right now, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, they could have been uh they could have been really good with that with that young core, but it it didn't happen that way. Then two two years ago he had the ankle, and then now we're, we're seeing now with uh with the ankle and the foot. So, you know, prayers up, prayers up for Braun, man. Hopefully he could get healthy and they could try to make this uh try to make a playoff run with, with him and A D healthy, or healthy enough at least. And I'm gonna say this, and I might be I don't know. I'm not being mean on this comment at all, but I just want to at least say this. Like he said on camera that you can see him, you can actually hear him while on the floor. He heard a pop. You know, he said that a couple of times. I heard it pop. Yeah, it popped. It popped. Many times in my career of basketball, anytime someone heard a pop or felt a pop, it was ligament damage. They were out for quite a while. So if he's only out for two, three weeks, that's amazing on that. So, and I guess the other reason why I'm saying I'm not trying to be mean on this, I'm not trying to say he didn't hear a pop, but he's lucky if he did hear a pop that only be at that a minimum of, of two weeks. So hopefully he is back because the NBA does need him. I mean, it gives us something to talk about with LeBron in the, in the NBA. I mean, we're he's not even playing. We're still talking about it. So with that being said, uh, quickly showing 29 points, uh, RJ 28, Randall 27, Tatum 34, I think it was Brown had 26, and there's 17 seconds left. The Knicks are up one with uh, the inbounds play here. 
just kind of giving an update as the game's going on there on my end. You guys probably already have the game off and they're already playing their next game because that's how slow my internet and how far behind it is. But with that being said, do the Lakers have a chance to still get in to a play-in game if if LeBron is out longer than three weeks? Because we already talked about on the show many times that they got to go almost perfect through the second half, maybe win five to seven games or lose five to seven games through the second half. And this is going to hurt. Of course, they, they won, but I'm just saying playing without LeBron. And then we'll move on to our next recap. Yeah, playing without LeBron. Yeah, they're gonna have. To, they're gonna need everybody. They're gonna need everybody to contribute. Darvin Ham said. He said, "If I need to motivate you uh, at this point in your career as a player, then uh, I don't know. There's nothing I can do. You should already be motivated. You should already be motivated at this point. If you don't want to be motivated to win, be great. Especially with that jersey that you have on. This is this is not you know one of these other type teams. This is the Los Angeles Lakers. They expect championships." Um, and you got to bring it every single night. You got to bring it every single night, man. So, do you think with LeBron, if LeBron's out more than three weeks, are they in the play-in or no? Pull up the standings. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I love. Well, right it. now, they're tied with Utah. They're tied with Utah with the t- for the ten seed right now. So, the possibility. I mean, come on, they're give me, give me something Utah, here. Do you think they're, they're in they're half, or, or out? Let, let's... I think they'll make it. I'm going to say yeah. I okay. think they'll make it. If LeBron's out for more than three weeks. I think they're out with, if more than three weeks. But that's just me. Well, let's, well right. let's, let's, let's look at the schedule. Let's look at the okay. schedule. Okay. So they beat Golden State today. They got Memphis on Tuesday, which, which is without Jaw, so that could be a win. Uh, they play Toronto this Friday. That should be a win. They play New York. That's that's going to be a tough game. They play New York next Sunday. Um, yeah, that's, that's and they that's play. The, yes, yeah, in LA. Then they play the Pelicans. Then the Rockets, and then they play Dallas. So, Pels and Rockets should be a good one. They should probably they're probably going to beat Houston. Then they play Dallas. That's going to be a tough one. So, if LeBron could come back at like around the end of the month. And, and they have a, a viable record, and they got to hope and pray some of those other teams in front of them lose, then, yeah, they're going to have a shot. Um, if, if, they're, if both of those guys are on the court in a play-in scenario, mm-hmm. I, I like I like their chances over, you know, definitely any of those other teams. All right, let's get to another, you know, big, another big story that uh, has been oh, taken you know, the NBA, NBA circle by storm over this last week. Pull this up here. Oh God! <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I was just talking about this uh, topic. I, I get a little heated on this topic. Just to be honest with you, I'm not sure why. Okay, here we go. All right, John Morant steps away from the Memphis Grizzlies. So right now he's suspended for two games. Uh, during the week, during la- during the week. Uh, there were two reports about him as uh, an occurrence that occurred, a situation that occurred in a mall with him and some friends and a security guard. And then a second uh, event where he had got into an altercation with the 17-year-old and the 17-year-old alleged 
that he would flash the gun at the job, flash the gun at him. And, and it was, and felt, felt threatened. And he, you know, filed a report for that. And then, you know, these, these reports come out, this is right around the time Ja also gets the, the Powerade new sponsorship deal. They gets the commercial and everything. And then these, these stories come out and Friday on, he goes on IG live at the club and he's, you know, he's flashing a gun on IG live, throwing up signs. Michael, what's your thoughts on, on the, on the whole situation? Okay. My thoughts on the whole situation, what bothers me about it is that the man is seriously, and I say man, is being basically accused of beating up on a minor, first of all, and then pulling the gun, which, of course, I'm kind of just restating what you already said. But with that being said, there was no suspension or like, hey, Joe, we're going from the NBA to say, hey, we're going to just like, let you set out a game or two while we can do our our own investigation like they do for pretty much anything else. It was not done. And then the fact that not until a few days later that we actually see a gun that's on his live stream that he does, that there's anything, a repercussion, repercussion that happens. And it's only a two game. And the way I say only a two game – because if we rewind the NBA season this year and go back to probably November, I think it was, maybe December, there was a guy who used to play for the Brooklyn Nets who shared a link from Amazon onto his Twitter account for a movie and get suspended for five games. Now, granted, the movie may have some kind of offensive towards a certain race or gender or something. I don't know what the movie even was. But he got suspended for five games for sharing a link. And really, he got suspended pretty quick. And the NBA uh, sponsors dropped him like that. Uh, his uh, Nick, uh, his Nike sponsor, dropped him pretty quick, right? Yep, dropped him. Okay, so... And now we've already heard – now I, I might be wrong on this one, but the Powerade was already talking about we're love moving forward with him. It might have been just because his contract happened on that. but And the way it showed up on my social medias, I thought it was afterwards, so I'm not going to go into that because I just think I might be telling a false statement on that. But, like, there's not really been much talk about what's going on with this other than, hey, it happened. Hey, he now was on – a live stream showing a gun. It happened. And nobody is really caring too much as far as how bad that is. Like one person is getting like banned basically from anything, social medias and all this stuff. Like let's, I mean, canceling pretty much is what they're trying to do for what his opinion. Well, he didn't say he watched it or anything. He just shared the link and almost saying that he's uh, the villain on the, the NBA now. And this guy is basically actually causing physical harm to someone and showing a gun. Now, obviously, I've got guns all in my house. I live in Appalachia. I mean, we're down in that area. We have guns. But we also care about safety and everything. This guy is being accused of beating someone and having a gun on them and says, hey, look, I have a gun. Like, that should be common sense. And, like, where's his circle of friends that should be saying, hey, guys, 
we've got to support him for one thing. Like, I'm not just coming at him all to be a, a, like a jerk about it. Like, I care for everyone as much as I can, unless you're LeBron James. That's a joke. Calm down. But what if his inner circle that should have said, Jaw, like, let's be smart about this. I see your gun there. You're alive. Let me move this away from you because I don't even want you to think about putting that on there. But I don't know. That's why it bothers me. It's like the NBA and social media and just the world was so adamant about making Kyrie the villain on what happened with his situation. But yet Ja hasn't really had much happen to him. Like there's not been this tear down of his personality or, or who he is as a person for beating a 17 year old. Like now, of course we still don't know if it's completely true. It's just being accused of it just yet, but still, Am I the only one on that? Am I just being like, hey, I feel like if you're going to have that energy for this, you should have it for that as well? Well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I actually just recently saw a report on Twitter. I don't know if it's true, but it looks like they pushed the suspension from two games to indefinitely. So, like I said, I don't know if it's true. Okay. I really – I mean, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, an unknown, it's an unknown source. I mean, I'm a, like, I don't know. I won't really believe it until I see either Wars or Shams right. report it in a way, but – just touching on the job situation, just a sad situation. You know, the timing is definitely wrong. It's just, and it's crazy because I, I saw a tweet earlier today. It was from Paul Pierce. And he was talking about his situation of when he had a gun after. I mean, I'm sure if you know, you know, you know, in 2000, Paul Pierce had an incident where he was stabbed, like, I think like 10, 11 times. And then after that, um, he ended up just carrying a gun with him, like, for like the, for the longest. So I can understand it from that situation, but sometimes it's not even just about having the gun. It's just, really just going on IG live, just flashing, you know, just really glorifying things. And I, I think that was kind of the biggest issue that I had is like, you know, like, like you said, Michael, people carry guns, like, you know what I'm saying? Like people carry guns for safety protection, whatever it is. But, you know, once you flash it and show it off in front of like thousands of people. And in my opinion, John's got to be smart. Like, you know what I'm saying? John understands that he is a star, a superstar, whatever you want to call him. And he understands what him going. He is a role model. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I have a little cousin. He's 12 years old. And his favorite player is Ja Morant. So it's like, so that, so that should tell you that. But it's like, mm-hmm. for Ja, he needs to be smart, especially in that situation, you know, especially with him being a star, you going on IG Live and sh- flashing off a gun, you, you know, if you at the club, like, you know, nobody's mad at you being at the club, bro. Go out and have fun. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that's 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 cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially after a bad loss, you know, go out and enjoy yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you going out, you know, flashing the gun on IG, and then you know, like, do you think that? Do you think that the NBA is not going to get a hold of that? Do you think that people are not going to talk about it? Like, we live in we live in a social media era, bro. Like, anything that you you're do, trapped. they're going, you're going to, they're, they're going to screenshot it, they're going to screen record it, they going mm-hmm. like that's getting all over the internet because that's what you expose. So it's like, it's just you know, it's just all about being smart in the situation. And, and then like when I mentioned, you know, the timing of it is because what CJ mentioned, you know, he's already got situations already going on you know there's an ongoing situation with him and the teenager this is a situation that happened at the mall like cj said then there was a situation i think that happened after the pacer game with a security guard i believe so it was like you have a lot of these ongoing situations that already involve guns and then you go on ig and flash a gun because i'll be real I, I saw it on saturday morning i was like man i hope this is not real and i hope that this is an edit because you know how people do people edit things and everything oh, yeah. so i'm hoping like man i hope this isn't true but you know, as as the story kept, you know, continuing to go, I was like, dang, it really is true. So 
I don't I don't consider Job a bad person. I know a lot of people may hate him. A lot of people may want to cancel him. I don't consider him a bad person. He's just making some costly decisions. And he's just being he, stupid. I mean, that's all. Yeah, you that, I mean, he's yeah, every, yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that's definitely true. But hopefully, he can just look at the situation and understand his position as a role model, as a star, as the breadwinner for his family. Because you know, once you get to that situation, you know, you not only change your life, but you change your family's life. You know, and you're representing your family. You represent your dad, your mom, his sister, or whatever it is. So, hopefully, he can look at this situation. You know, I love I love the statement that he did put out, and I do love. I don't I don't know if you guys checked it out, but Jalen Rose had uh had his um had a comment on the situation. I really love what he had to say. I don't know if y'all checked it out, but if y'all do, and even for the listeners, make sure to go check that out. But you know, I just hope that he looks at the situation and just says, you know what, I must move better. I must move smarter. Because like I said, I don't consider him a bad person. I don't, I don't like you know looking at the situation. Not going to change my pers- uh, my perception of him. I do think I still think he's a great player. I still think he's a great person. You know, people just make dumb decisions. So, like I said, I mean, I just hope that he looks at the situation, understands, you know, takes accountability for what he did, and just look to come back from this better. That's. Uh, I just want to say, Nick, I don't think you've ever shot a gun, right? Have we talked about that before? That you've you've not shot a gun before, right? Or was it fishing that you've not done? I've never fished. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely shot a gun. <laughs> no, okay, maybe. I've never fished. All right, I'll say this: I haven't fished since I was a little kid. Okay. Well, like one thing in CJ, I'm sorry, I'm probably jumping into you, but like he was flashing the gun to me to be boastful, really, to be like, yeah, you know, hey, in a way it looked like I've got this. You can say it's true if you want to, but you can't touch me almost is how I took it. But he was holding the gun with his index finger and, and thumb and it was upside down. I have never held a handgun like that in any time in my life. And I'm just like, I don't know if this boy has ever actually tried to even shoot that thing. Now I could be completely wrong, but the way he was just doing it, it it almost like it was cocky, but at the same time, like he'd never touched the thing before in his life. So that kind of made me think, I don't know if this guy's trying to act like he's hard here or not, but yeah, he's looking pretty, pretty silly to me. CJ, how do you feel? on it and I'll move you on. Yeah, this is just a sad situation. This is really just a sad situation all, all around. Again, uh, it's just making poor, making poor decisions. I saw Paul Pierce's tweet. I just feel like it didn't make any sense because, you know, when he, he's talking about him needing the reason why he, had, he carried a gun because he needed protection from what, what happened to him when he got stabbed at the club. But that's not that's not the situation that's going on with Ja. With Ja's going that's on true. IG Live, flashing it, you know, kind of showboating that he has it. And especially, and he does it after there's already been two incidents, uh, re, re, you know, regarding him. One of is re, re, um, involving a gun. So I'm not sure what what's going on in his brain, <laughs> but he, he needs he really needs to wake up. He really needs to wake up because you, you don't you don't want this to be an occurring thing. You don't want people to you know have this type of opinion of you. It's a, it's already over. I mean, once things like this hit hit social media, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what what you do after this. People are going to have their feelings um, about it. And you know, we don't know all the information. You know, it was just a, two articles that got dropped. Uh, we don't know if we don't know all the information that is, we've seen a lot of situations of mm-hmm. uh, people accusing athletes 
and they're lying for cash because they know more times than not, some of these, they're going to settle as opposed to going to trial and they're going to get money. We've seen that all the time. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not just going to, you know, completely judge and, you know, you know, just completely execute and come with a certain opinion on job just, just yet, because we, it's still, it's still very fresh and obviously more information is going to be presented to us in the future. But right now, you know, with, with, with these stories, with the situation, uh, you just hope, and it, it just, it makes it look bad because he went on IG and then flat flashed the gun after it. It just, it's just like a big F you like, yeah, it doesn't matter if I, if I did that or not, like, like Michael said, untouchable. Yeah. I'm untouchable. And that's, that's what a lot of these celebrities think. That's what these, a lot of celebrities and, and athletes, that's what they think, man. They, they think they're untouchable. They think nobody could touch them and because, and really, they, have, and because they have all be this honest, money. He'll get suspended probably five games. I mean, it's been two. And if they've changed it, like Nick saying, maybe five and find $500,000. That's chunk change to them. You know, it's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. He, again, he, he needs to just, he needs to wake up and he really needs to surround himself with better people. Not yes, man. Those guys, those people that he was with in that, in that, on the IG live, they don't really love him like that. They don't love him like that. They, they, Cause if you, cause if you really love some, if you really love somebody, you tell them the truth. You tell them the truth about themselves. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's uncomfortable, you tell that person the truth. Um, because because love is truth and the people he has around him are enablers that's what they are they're enablers they're yes men they're around him just because of the cash or the influence or whatever it is he's babysitting them and and he thinks just because they're whatever wherever they're from or what 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 they do is quote unquote tough when he's he's around that he thinks he's that too and uh again he's not really in touch with reality because again once you make so much money and once you have all this influence and, and everybody's talking about you, you have all these endorsements, you, you don't, you're not, you're not in, in tune with what's really going on and you think you can do anything, but that's not the case. That's not the case. So he really needs to humble himself. He took some time away. I think it was smart. One, because he's, if you're going to play these games, the media is going to ask you questions every single practice, every single game. So I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to be, he's, he's not mentally ready for those questions um and also also the allegations are still pending as well so that's that would have been a pr disaster so i think from a from a morant morant side on the grizzly side on the nba side it was definitely smart for him to step away you know let time let time heal in regards to that let people for quote unquote forget about it and then he could come back make a statement publicly and we'll see what what he does with his career after that but I just think right now he really needs to start surrounding himself with, with, with the right people. He starts surrounding himself with the right people and, and, and really people, that, again, people that really love him, man, tell him like, what are you doing? Are you, are you crazy? You about to throw your career away or put that down? Like, why are you going on IG live flashing this? There's no, there's no way you could be this. Uh, there's no way you could lack this much self-awareness. There's no <laughs> way. There's no, <laughs> There's no, he does want to say something that's, crazy. That's good. I mean, yeah. you were there and you're like, let me re retract yeah, a little yeah. bit. Make this sound a little bit more professional. <laughs> yeah, there's no way, there's no way you could, you could just lack so much self awareness. How? This whole week, everybody's talking negatively about you. And he's, he's, he was, he's been getting ripped. He's been getting ripped for sure on, on social media. People have been, have been going at him. People but are not really this bad. Not nearly as bad. Why? Because people have had years of disliking Kyrie. This is kind of the first couple I, years. I agree. Mm -hmm. I this agree. is kind of the, this is kind I of agree. the first couple years 
of Jaws only, you know, four years in. Kyrie's 11. So people have had their opinions about Kyrie for over a decade now. It's still very fresh for Ja. Like Ja making the making the comments about oh, we're good in the West and, and talking trash. That's fine with me. That's that's basketball. I'm cool oh, with that. that. But, exactly. But, but he called it, but he called a lot of people, a lot of people didn't like him uh, because he was very confident and talked about that publicly. Then you know, Dylan Brooks. They kind of became like the most hated, the underdog type team, mm-hmm. which, which I'm, which again is what we've seen from the Grizzlies historically. So again, I'm cool with that um, because that's basketball. But, but this stuff right here is, it just does, doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and I just hope he finds the right, finds the right people, and, and really, you know, holds on to those people, bro. Because you don't want this thing to start to spiral downward. downward. And um, he needs to lock in. He needs to lock in and really self self reflect and understand. Like this is this is a big point right here. You know, what do I want to do with my life? It's bigger than basketball. It's bigger than basketball. It really, it really is because uh, you know you start making these decisions at a young age. You start doing you know making these mistakes. You know, it, it can become a reoccurring thing. You need, you need he needs to eliminate that. He needs to eliminate that now. And I think this is a good step of him stepping away and, and, and kind of just locking in and focusing on himself and becoming a better man before he becomes a better player. Was it Plexico Burris that accidentally shot himself? Right, yeah. So, like, and I I say that kind of, I mean, he was a New York player at the time, too, too, right? So that's why I was like, I need you made up. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like those accidents can happen, obviously. That's why they happen. But, like, Johnny's really take it easy and make sure, like, you know, you're you're doing the right thing because accidents happen anytime. And Johnny... You have, I don't know, sky's the limit for him. The, the talent that he has and the potential that he can show even more. I mean, you were just one year out from winning the most improved player, which is weird. I do hope you get the help that you need. I'm not trying to say that in any form of fashion I am bad-mouthing you as a person. I just think the media and everything is weird by they not – bashing the situation nearly as much as they did with Kyrie. But I do say, CJ, what you did say makes a good point that Kyrie already had the hatred towards him from fans because he's been in the league so much. So that does make a little sense to me. So as far as you, Joff, you're watching the show, man, come hang out with me, CJ, Nick. We'll definitely show you that love that CJ talked about earlier. If you do something stupid, we'll let you know about it, man. Like that's, that's how we roll. Okay. Like, and also, when Nick is on a live stream and he accidentally, you know, watches a video while we're trying to be professional. We'll let him know about it, okay? So, like, we, we try to we, we try to keep it real. We try to keep it a hundred. Were you gonna say something, CJ? Oh, he's watching the next game. <laughs> well, I'll I'll go real quick. You know, there we go again, boys. Like. <laughs> I'll go again, just basically touching on the job situation. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, it's like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can definitely understand, you know, because I don't know how John Morant grew up, but I'm sure he probably grew up, you know, in the hood and, you know, in unusual unusual circumstances. So that may be all he knows. I mean, like, you know, a lot of us come from that as well. Like, I came – I grew up in a single mom house. Oh, God, CJ's going crazy. <laughs> CJ's going crazy. But uh, but I mean I, I grew up I grew up in a single mom household, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, but you just gotta understand, like you just gotta have the mindset of just always want better and to strive for better and not put yourself in a situation that may cause you 
and your family a lot though. So it's like, you know, so that, I think that's the really, that's that's the main thing that makes me upset though, is that it, it wasn't like somebody was like secretly recording Ja flashing the gun. Ja went on IG Live himself on his on his Instagram, his Instagram, and decided to flash the gun. And I'm like, bro, like like you know what I'm saying? Like he's on social media, he's on Twitter all the time. So it's like he should know that people are gonna take, especially when you I think there was like Probably two, three thousand people watching. You think nobody's gonna screen record that or screenshot that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Like it kills me, man. But it's like, like I said, Ja, does it does it change my perception of him, my perspective of him? No. He just made a costly decision with this situation and then all the other situations. And it's like what CJ said, like, you know, you gotta it might be time to change your circle up. You know what I'm saying? Like it seems Might like be. there's like well, <laughs> it, it is, it is, now, it is, bro. it is time, it is time. But it's like it seems like the people that are around him don't have his best interest, and they're pretty much going with whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. Like, okay, yeah, flash the gun, or oh, let's go ahead and beat up a kid, like you know, knowing that I'm an NBA superstar, and this and that, this and that. So it's like it's just a lot of things that his name is revolved around that it that shouldn't that, that be. just sounds so crazy but that what you how you just said that oh let me go beat up this kid because i'm an nba just guy. Beat up the kids. and again <laughs> again i don't i don't know the whole story because like right there are a lot of situations of people lying there's a lot of parents out here that try to you know manipulate and coach their kids and the, and the triggering some of these athletes and students. That's true. Uh, because they know they have clout. They know they have money. Let's try to trigger them and, and get them out of character so we could get a bag. If, if you if you want to if you want if you're someone that doesn't agree with that and want to sit here and act like that does not happen, you're insane to me. So that happens often. It really does. It really does. And it's sad that it does. Um, but it does happen because people are greedy. But if that situation does occur. It's on that person that does have the influence, that does have the value to not only one, like we've been saying, have the right people around him and also him to have the, the character and the understanding that those things are going to happen. There are going to be people that are going to trigger you and you have to react differently. Um, again, I don't know what the, I don't know what happened. I'm just saying that could be a situation or it could be the situation where mm-hmm. where he thinks he's above the law. He thinks he's just do whatever he wants to do. So uh for the for the Grizzlies and the Nets situation, they're two different owners, so they're gonna react to how they treat their you know their employees. And Joe Sai, uh, Joe Sai, really, the way the way he responded to the Kyrie situation, really. Oh my God, Emmanuel, quickly! The way he uh, the way he the way he responded to, the way Joe Sai responded to the Kyrie situation was was very reactionary. It was very emotional. It was very irrational. You know, he let he let the media, he let social media and, and all these people uh, make make moves for him. And when you're in the owner of a team and you're letting, you know, microwave society, you know, dictate what you should do as opposed to looking at the situation for what it is, thinking logically and, and understanding what's what's at play here. It was it was very odd, and I feel like that little six point mission that Kyrie had to accomplish before getting back on the court it looked insane. It, it really was stupid. Really I'm did. sorry. It looked insane, and those situation, those actions, and the way he responded, I promise you, that was the end. That was the beginning of that was the end of Kyrie and the Nets right there. 
It might have been it might have been over already. Um, but that's that situation alone, because he, he posted a, he posted a documentary on, on Instagram. You know how many people post things on social media and that, and that doesn't mean that's what they believe in. People post fights and all different types of stuff on social media all the time. That means that that's what they believe in and that's what they stand with. That's that's crazy. That's a crazy mindset to have. And it's also very hypocritical. Uh, but that's but that's for Kyrie. But job, ja, man, again, lock in, self-reflect and, and do what you need to do and, and, and make Absolutely. better decisions as a man before you even before we even talk about the football. So. I mean the basketball. So wish you the best. Wish you the best. <laughs> I was like, did he just say football? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, we're at ten thirty-five. Is there anything we want to move on to? Skip, maybe. Uh, asking you guys on that, or we we want to hit everything still. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's keep rocking. We can make it a, a little a little bit quicker segment. Okay. So let's go ahead and head on to our next uh, – CJ, we'll just go ahead and stick with you since you was the last to go there. Of course, we were talking about the game that happened yesterday. I got my games mixed up. The Sixers took on Bucks. I am a Joel Embiid – I won't say Embiid hater, but a uh, Philadelphia hater pretty much as far as I haven't seen them actually get over the hump to prove anything. So I actually thought the Bucks would win this game. Nick called me out on it, so I, I had to own up to it. I thought Giannis would prevail – uh, CJ, just go ahead and dive into it. Give us a recap on it. It was a really close game. Obviously, Milwaukee's on a at the time was on a, a win, winning streak, a excellent win streak. And Philadelphia, they needed a W. They they really did. They needed a big W against a top team. They've struggled against said top teams. Um, as of late, they've kind of had a, a slid, and they they stepped up. They stepped up hard in and beat. We're big time in this game. Giannis is always going to have thirty. Drew Holiday plays solid. Uh, it was a back and forth game, but you know Harden hit some big time shots toward the, towards the end of the game, and B did a great job also, and and Philadelphia was able to get this W. They have the talent to compete with Boston and Milwaukee. That's never been the talent has never been the, the issue. the The issue is can they step up and make impactful plays throughout the game in the playoffs? Uh, can, can they can they step up in the playoffs? That's what that's what it, that's what it is now for Embiid. And James Harden. We already know they're talented. They're going to be MV. Harden already has MVP, and B is going to be an MVP candidate for the rest of his career. Maxi's on the rise. But what's it going to take in the playoffs for those guys to get past the second round? That, that's the biggest thing. And I think a win like this, granted, it's in the regular season, and it doesn't really mean much once you reach the playoffs. But when you have, when you're going up against a team and you have certain confidence, you remember these type games. You watch the, you watch the film from these games, and and understand what you could do and how you could be successful against the defense like Milwaukee. And, and with and with Embiid's ability to, to create his own shot, with Maxi's ability to create his own shot, Harden also. And the thing I like, the thing I want to see from Harden is, is take mid-range shots. Stop running away from those mid-range shots, man. I just they're there all the time. I know in Houston he never took mid-range shots under Mike D'Antoni, which I feel like was one of the reasons why they, they they lost and wasn't able to get to where they wanted to get to and win a championship. But you look at your teammate in Embiid, he gets most of his shots in that area. If you do that Embiid, Embiid hard in pick and roll, it's it's there all the time. You get those easier shots. So um, I think that's something he needs to work on. 
they have the, they have the squad. They have the squad. Doc Rivers is a seasoned coach, championship head coach. He has his critics, deservedly so. Um, but he's still one of the best coaches in the NBA. He just is. I mean, just look at the records and, and the accomplishments he's had. Has he has he been underwhelming in a lot of situations in his coaching career? No question. Um, but they should be able to get past the second round uh, with everything that they have. Uh, PJ they brought in PJ Tucker for spacing and and defense. So it's just it's no to me there's there's no excuses. They should be able to get they should be able to beat Milwaukee and beat the Celtics. We should we shouldn't be shocked if they beat those two if they beat those two teams in the seven game series. We should not be shocked. So big game for Philadelphia. We'll see how um, how they respond going forward. And for the Bucks, I, I think they're going to continue to grow. They're going to be fine. They were just on a, a, 60, a 15 plus game win streak. So I'm not worried about them. Um, they're just they're going to continue to get better, and I'm very I'm very confident in what they do. They got a train going by the house right now. So Nick, go ahead and you. Harden killed it last night. Near triple double performance: thirty eight points, um, ten assists, nine rebounds. Has a big time buckets. Um, and beat it in opinion like a big time three to um to take the lead. Big win for Philly. Really big win for Philly because, I mean, it's like we mentioned before, or the past few years, I mean, they've always been a good team, but they just can't really seem to beat the the heads of the East, like Milwaukee, like Boston. You know, even Embiid alluded to it last week, I think prior to the game against Boston last year or last week was that, you know, it can't be a rivalry because they keep kicking our ass. And I think that was really what it was. So I think this was a really big win for them. Obviously, it's a regular season game, but it does help bring some momentum and just really shows the resilience in the team, you know, coming from behind and really just just being able to get a really big one on the road. I feel like that does show, like, you know, some some value and some moral to them. Does it change our perspective on Philly? Really big question. You know, I mean, I think I think Philly's still a pretty good team, you know, with the tandem with those two. And then you got Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and the rest of those guys. So. You just never really know, but honestly, I'm 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 really curious though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do y'all think though? Like, do y'all think that this could really help their chances in the um going up against these like any of these two teams in the playoffs? With a win like this? Yeah. I it can. I mean, again, you, you, you can look at this game when you're if you go up against them in the playoffs. And you, you can, this is a game you can look at when you're watching film because you found different ways you were successful against Milwaukee's defense. So you could definitely go back to this game and, and use things to work on it and, and try to improve if they were to meet up in the playoffs. But you still gotta, you still have to capitalize in the playoffs. You still have to make those plays. You still have to be dominant. Harden and Embiid should be dominant. The thing that I'm a little, the thing that I'm very scared of is Harden becomes passive and lets Maxi become the second option. No. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Okay, so you so that. you think that Harden should be the second option? Come on, come on. That should be automatic. That should be automatic. It should go. It should go and beat Harden, Maxi. That's it. That's it. And, and and Harden needs to step up and be and be a scorer. Nine in a row. That's baby. my thing. But that's my thing though, because it's like for oh yeah, nice, good, big win, big win. But um, but that's my thing too, though, is that. You know, coming into this team, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even say coming into this team, practically alluding back to him, like his time at Brooklyn, like Harden is really transitioned is more of like a playmaker type. Like he hasn't really had like a really big scoring season since 
his time at Houston. So, I mean, obviously we know we know he's capable of being like a really of being being a big time scorer. But I just think that you know I don't know. It's like I guess maybe like you know with him aging in a way. You know, of course his his injury history and everything is like. And I mean, Tyrese Maxey has had some really big scoring performances as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not mad at your point of about him being like you know the second option offensive just because you know he is a superstar I mean, or he or or an all star per se, but. I don't know. It just seems like you know, he's a superstar. Why, why are we? Why are we demoting Harden? You see what I'm saying? Like people are trying to mold themselves. And be like, oh, listen, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do it in the playoffs, I get it. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just speaking of you know now. about about. I mean, but I'm I'm just speaking of the perspective of the past like two to three years. You know what I mean? No excuses. Ooh, I'm with you though. I do think Harden's play has declined some as far as being productive. I wouldn't say now, the climb, I will he, say he has, he has taken a step back. He he has shown to be more of a playmaker than a scorer. He's creator now. Like, you know, he's coming off the pick and rolls, and then, you know, he's looking to hit someone to, for a shot. Like, I mean, he's his assists have went up more, I feel like. So, I mean, he yeah, can't get cool. to the free throw line more. So, yeah, I feel like that, that's why it's d- dipped, though. Like, that's, that's cool. He's always been a playmaker. Okay. Playmaker for himself to score, and I feel like he's kind of changed a little bit where he's more passive as he's getting older. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but when you go with playing with uh, KD and Kyrie, like when you're coming off of something, like I mean, it's easier to kick to them open than going and getting hit by three or four different people. And he still kind of got the same setup, you know, as with Philly. Now, obviously, he doesn't have Kyrie and KD, but. I mean, he's got Maxi that can knock down, and Embiid can actually knock down off of a pick and roll, either if he's rolling or a pick and fade as well. So I feel like he's just kind of changed his style of play. I'm not saying that he's a worse player. I just feel like some of his highlights that we have seen in the past have changed some. Yeah, but he changed his style of play. Why? Because Coach wants needs- to. He just needs to be aggressive. He just needs to be more aggressive. I don't like passive Harden in terms of, and I'm not saying him, he shouldn't be a playmaker. I'm talking about in, in situations throughout the game, mm-hmm. in the in the playoffs, he needs to step up. He needs to step up. This this is, I, I don't want to see him not win it. I don't want to see him be one of these guys that one of the best players that never won a championship. I don't want that to be the narrative for him. I'm, I'm the reason why I'm, you know, criticizing him and I want to see him, I want to see him, I want to see him step up is because I want him to win a championship so he doesn't have to be in on that list. Right. Plain and simple. And I know he's obviously striving for that as, as well, clearly, but you can't have the type of series that you had against Miami last year. And then in that second half, when you're when you're in in game six, when you're about to get eliminated, you could have forced the game seven. You're in you're at home in Philadelphia, and you have that type of game. Now, he said he was injured with the hamstring. Cool. To me, he looks 100 percent now. I need aggressive Harden, aggressive Embiid. I need 28 plus from Embiid every single night. Unless they blow guys out, then yeah, obviously the points would be different. But 28 should be a given for Embiid. And 25 to 27 should be a given for Harden. And Harden could get 27 and get eight and nine. I'm cool with that. But I don't want to see 17 and, and six. I don't want to see that. I don't want to well, see what seven. about 17 and 13? 17 and 13? If, the, if they're playing. Well, from, from Harden. From 17, Harden. 17 and 13 and everybody's moving the ball while everybody's knocking down shots. Cool. Cool. But what we also seen, 
when those situations happen, we see teams in the second half, they start to come back. They start to make runs. So what do you need? You need guys to make buckets to slow those runs down. That's when he needs to start getting them buckets. So I don't want to see, oh, yeah, he might have 17 in the first half. He might have like 14 and, and six in the first half and finish the game with 17 and 10. No, no, right. no, no, no. We need, I need 25 to 27 points from Harden. In the I just wondered if, you know, in the past, you know, when it comes to playoff times. Oh, thank you. The real goat right here, boys. Look at this. French fries. Thank you, wife. About the East wow. Mid show. Getting here in a show, sir. And sport. you're eating? Uh, I haven't taken the first bite yet. But no. But maybe. Just maybe. Oh, God. He can't said, talk. I'm going to take it a little <laughs> bit easy during the season. Because in times past, when it came game seven, I'm gassed. Because we even see the uh, what was it's it? The playoff, baby, said, it's the playoffs, huh? Everybody gassed just, at the playoffs. But I'm saying, but maybe now, ooh, I feel like I got to be down. Like here's my head's getting cut off now. We back up. Ooh, that shows much. Um, <laughs> but maybe I'm so ADHD, boys. I'm sorry. But maybe that's that's the path that they're taking here. Let's try to. Stay in there in every game, but when it comes to playoff, when we need him the most to take over, he's still capable, and he has some stuff, some left in the tank. There we go. Because did we not just see uh, – was it Curtis saying, hey, we knew just to let Harden do whatever he could, whatever he would, but by game six, game seven, he was gone because it was 40 minutes of him doing everything because he did so much for as himself. But that's not the case and, now. They have Embiid, and they have Maxi that can score 20-plus. Yeah. 20, 20 so no, that's what I mean. There's no excuses. He should be he should be fresher. One, he should be fresher as he a defender. Be. As he a defender, be. we need him to play. He needs to play defense. They don't play defense. Uh, but, but listen, listen. You want to change? Honestly, I mean, you, you can make a case that he's in better shape now than what he was years ago. He's definitely better in shape when we had fat hard. If you, we know if that. You want, if you want to win, a, if he wants to win a championship, he has to improve as a defender in the playoffs, uh, or or just put him on the spot up and have some everybody else play defense. That, that, that's it. He, he could kind of play off ball, sag off, show a little bit, load up, and get back and contest on the spot up. If that's if, if he if he can't guard and stay in front of people, then throw throw him on a on a shooter. As simple as that. But either way, mm-hmm. uh, he needs to contribute. He needs to play at a high level. There's no excuses, man. There's really no excuses. I, I don't really. I'm just him. Westbrook. It's the same thing. I just want to see these guys win the championship. And absolutely, they're, they're, they come back together with KD. They're no, nah, that's not happening. They're playing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not happening, man. Come back to Oklahoma. These guys, these, these guys are so talented, and uh, it'll be it'll be a shame. You look, you look at back at their careers, and you look back at who they played with, and you'll be like, how how did they he played with all these superstars, future Hall of Famers, and they didn't win one championship? That's what people are I mean, going to say. At that's least LeBron won say. three or four. And that's why KD left. Because he didn't want to have that same narrative on, on his career. Mm-hmm. That's that's why he went to Golden State to, to win championships. He went to Golden State and, and was the best player. He might have he might it wasn't his team, but he was the best player on that team. And that's why he won back to back finals MVPs. Because you don't those, need- those championships ahead, look, look those championships look better on your legacy, bro. And now we see Harden and Westbrook, they don't have championships, and that's all we're talking about. So in retrospect, when we look back, KD made the right choice by going to Golden State. I know you could call him weak, whatever, 
You say whatever you want to say. He made he got that, that ring. He 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 made he made the right choice. And I'm gonna make another point when we talk about Battle of the Eras too, because all these old heads they love trying to you know critique these these players that like like to lose mobility. And I'm really about to put them to rest later on. All right, next topic. What's wrong with the Clippers? Uh, they they've really been struggling post. Uh, over the last few games or so, zero and five, their their defense, their defense has has struggled uh, significantly. Oh, Michael! Over over these last few games, you know what's wrong with them? They got Westbrook. I've been trying to tell you guys all along. Says the one that wanted him on his team. <laughs> I just said that for you, but. I haven't been able to watch many Clippers games. Uh, East Coast, uh, I'm up way too early. So I'm actually happy I'm watching this game right now. Of course, you know, we did see the clip. What was it? I think it was the Warriors where they were back all the way almost into the circle, Garden Westbrook. So, I mean, there's definitely been uh, changes in the defense for what's going on here. See, that's the thing, though, is like it, like, it seems like Westbrook is always the easy target. Yeah, I don't really think it's Westbrook, Nick. I was just saying that because. But I'm just saying, I mean, I'm not even just talking about you. I'm talking about other people as well. Like, people people be forgetting. Like, Paul George in that Warriors game did not shoot the ball well. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of these guys are not playing efficiently either. But it's like, it seems like the the finger is always pointed at Westbrook because of, you know, his history, obviously, with the Lakers and other teams. Like, the Clippers as a whole just have not really played that well. Overall, you know, I think they lost like what four or five in a row. I mean, they had that they had that decent game in Sacramento because people forget in that Sacramento game they should have won. They were up at like eight nine points in regulation, and they were even up at like six points in the first overtime. They should have won that game. They had few chances to win that game, but they didn't do it. The Denver game, there's nothing there. I mean, but you still you still got to sustain. I mean, you still have opportunities to win, and you got to figure out a way to win the game, especially if you are considered. Many, I mean, I mean, let's be real. Many, many people consider the Clippers title contenders. I know that they're exactly 533 and 33, but it's like when healthy, people do consider them title contenders. So, a lot of, I mean, there, there's people out there that say that the Clippers are still a team to beat in the West. There's a lot of people out there that says that, that they are a tough matchup. A team to wow. beat in the West. There's a lot of there's still people that say that. That's incredible. I'm not saying they're number no, one, but I'm just saying, like you know, they're like they're still they're still contenders to a lot of people. Game of the year, uh, Barkley said the Nuggets, but I think no, I'm sorry, it was Shaq said the Nuggets, but Barkley I think said the Clippers was his pick. Of course, that was the very first game. Yeah, to to me, to me, they're like Philadelphia West. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, they got oh, just, thank you. They, you know, they have they have they show flashes where we're like, oh my god, this is this this is the team, this is it. This is the duo. This they is must be team. in Bel Air. This is their time, and some unfortunately injuries occurred for the majority of their run together. Ka- Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Let me ask you guys this question, man, because you brought up that Westbrook picture. What should what should have Westbrook did right there? What picture? Are, are you, you you talking about the video of him? You know, of him playing out. Draymond, on the Draymond, yeah, Draymond sagging off him. What what should have Westbrook done? What I would have done. I would have drove in and dunked on him. Nah. Him okay, okay. Yeah, shoot him, make him, make him try to pay the price. Shoot I mean, if they, if they're going to disrespect, I mean, there's a big difference. He was too open. There was no way he was making it. 
And then on top of that, if you're open and then too open. And then on top of that, if your team wants you to shoot, shoot it. It's either shoot it or try to make a pass. Those are two options. What he should have did, what he should do, if they sag, if they sag off him like that, yo, Paul George, come here real fast. Let me set a screen for you. It's wide open. Every single time. Every single time, or you gonna you gonna that's drop coverage. Are you gonna play drop coverage? Cool. I'm gonna set yeah. a pick. I'm gonna set a pick for Kawhi and PG. Not just stand there and just and just think and wait. No, no, no. Here, Paul George, take this. I'm gonna set the screen. You're wide open for a three. Whatever you want to do, put pressure on the defense. <laughs> I don't know why they're not doing that, um, but to me, that sounds that's just so obvious. I'm like, yeah, bro. Look, he's look, look at the disrespect. Look at the disrespect. Yeah, yo. PG, come, yo, come from the corner, come to the wing. I'm going to set the screen for you and just rise up. Mm-hmm. Anybody, Powell, Gordon, man, any any of these guys. And like, and that's, and, that's what, and that's what I was saying, though, like, you know, in the spaces the other day is like, I feel like Westbrook should be able to thrive with this team is because now you're surrounded with more perimeter scores. Paul George, if, do that, Leonard, if he does that, Eric yeah, Gordon, if he's a screener. Yeah, Terrence Mann. Like, you know what I'm saying? The list goes on and on, honestly. I mean, you know, like, so that's why that's why I feel like because I mean, we've seen in the past, like, OKC, you know, he had great shooters, even in Washington for a little bit, he had some good shooters. Um, Houston as well, the Lakers, not so much just because I mean, I obviously, you know, with him playing with LeBron, that was never going to work to begin with, but then also, I mean, the Lakers did like perimeter scoring this past year before they made the trades. So now you with the Clippers this year, you got guys who can't play off the ball who, who aren't ball dominant. That's why I feel like, you know, this was going to be his chance to possibly, you know, really thrive as an elite playmaker. Mm-hmm. If he does what, if he does exactly what I just said, he's that's an automatic playmaker. That's that's a playmaker right there. That's high IQ as well. That's high but IQ. Shouldn't, shouldn't Ty come up with that as well? I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, they watch film extensively. You know, when I, I, I saw that pick right there, I'm like, oh, that's drop coverage. Yeah, I mean you're you're one hundred percent right on that. And uh, <laughs> you gonna, you gonna disrespect, you gonna disrespect me that much? I'm gonna set my, I'm gonna set my teammate up for an open shot. What was you saying, Nick? I was saying like, do y'all think like you know it's mental for us sometimes? Because I mean, it's Absolutely. like we we also mentioned it with Ben Simmons as well. You know, we mentioned Ben Simmons is a mental thing. Like, do we think it's the same with Russ in a way? Does he still play? He's supposed to be back tomorrow. I don't know. Um, ben Simmons, we're talking about, but. I don't think when it comes to mentality on the spectrum between Ben and, and Russ is very different. Ben's mentality right. is yeah, yeah he, his mentality is on just on a whoo, you know what I mean? And Russ, Russ mentality is there. It's just his play style is not suited for today's NBA because he can't space the floor. If he was able to space the floor, he's he probably he stays on the Rockets, maybe. Maybe him and Harden stay together. If he, if he could space the floor, wow. but he, that's that that's not that's not his strong suit. That's not his strong suit. His, his strong suit is driving to the basket, attacking the rim, and and that's why that's why teams are playing drop coverage on him. That's why teams are you know leaving him open from the three point line because they don't trust him to make those moves. Well, that was a nice play to Mason Plumley right there. It was great that's pass. What he got great to pass. Do. But you see where he got that? He got that on the low post. Mm-hmm. Low post. He's, yep. Using 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 his. Using his size, creating a double team, dump off the plumbing. 
not playing at the not playing at the three point line. The closer you are to the rim and, the, and you make those layups, the defense is going to collapse. I mean, it sounds so simple, but you know, I wish I wish we'd see it a little bit more as opposed to just pick and roll, mix and match ISO all day. That's really that's really what the NBA is today. <laughs> it's yo set the screen for me. Get the mismatch because everybody switches now. Nobody knows how to fight over a screen. Everybody wants to die on that screen and leave that big man, leave that big man on the island, and it's food. That's that's what the NBA is. Matchups. Okay. Creating mismatches. I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna ask you all this. And I was genius for doing this, but like in I want to say 2K01. I'm gonna say 20. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, bro. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. It was actually might have been NBA Live. I don't know. It's been that long ago. It was Michael Finley was on the uh, Mavericks, and I would always play with the Mavs. They had actually – do I have this card up here? I used to have this card up here because it was oh, – where did it go? I was so happy when I got it. It was a, a player that was an, uh, from Asia. I want to say his last name was Wong. I won't go into any more stories with that. But he could be knocked down from three, but he was a big man. Michael Finley was so fast, but he wasn't really a perimeter shooter. Let's be honest, when you play 2K or any of those, you, you're going to shoot threes. You're going to play like the Warriors. So what I would actually do against my brother, because we played nonstop, I would put Wong, which I don't know his first name, as my shooting guard and put Michael Finley as my power forward. And I already knew that I was hitting the back button, hitting square, because he was already running out. No big man was ever going to run him down. So I took my guy who couldn't shoot the three and put him at the post because I was running the ball like crazy. We was fast tempo, everything. And I just knew how the lanes were being filled, like basketball, IQ, we know how we do it. So my brother got so mad at me because, you know, if it turned out where Wong was on the three, he had a guard on him, okay, he if he can't shoot it, then, you know, we'll set a pick here, whatever. Then I'd have him on the post somehow and he'd have a guard on him. Mismatch, obviously. Or I would throw it to Michael Finley at the post with a big man on him and I isolation, and then I would run it out to the three-point line and just circle around the big man and go and dunk it on his face because they can't stay up with him. So what if we seen the Clippers start actually putting Westbrook on the block? I'm not saying playing him at the five, but actually put him on the post to shorten the court for him so they can't back off of him. Because Westbrook, that play that you were just talking about, Nick, he basically backed his guy down to the block. Yeah, I mean, we were they, talking about that, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. But what if they actually ran plays where he is posting up? Like, that wasn't a post-up play. That was him almost doing like a fake pick with Pumley and then just basically backing him down. Like, all right, now i got this. Oh, both of y'all are going to be on me. Obviously, Plumley's open and, and, and dump it down. What if we start seeing some – play some, you know, off-ball screens down, stay at the block, do some mismatches down there, and he stays down on the block. Do you think that might be something that they move to? Do you think that might be the best idea for him? Because when he's at three, they back it off. Sounds sounds perfect to me. Sounds perfect to me. It may, obviously makes the most sense. He's a paint-oriented player. Uh, why not have him closer to the paint? Because <laughs> I, mean, I honestly like think – common sense. As fast as he is and as explosive as he is, if he were to get the ball on the paint and start working on some big man moves, all he's got to do is get the ball and run right by him. Like, he don't even have to really do fakes. Just you're so quick, just two steps, you're on the other side already dunking it, basically doing a reverse if the lane's clear. So I'm just thinking – go ahead. No, go ahead. I just – 
I'm thinking Westbrook's speed can dominate so much against a guard down low because he can elevate higher than the guard on defense. And me being a bigger guy, I had to play post some, but I played guard my whole life. It was tough for me going to the post because I had the moves down pat and had the footwork down pat, but I wasn't getting anywhere with my footwork. Like, you know, I do the right steps and everything, but the defense was still right there. I'm like, okay, I've got to learn how to make movement with those steps when I'm doing the proper way. Like a drop step isn't really a drop step unless you actually swing it out wide to get it behind the guy where you're basically putting him in jail on your butt there and then you can turn and lay it in. But if you just drop it down, he's still right there behind you. You're basically just spinning around. Westbrook really wouldn't have to worry too much about that because if he just goes like he's running, he's already blown by them for a dunk on the block. So if they can do some isolation, get him to maybe next year, work on some big man moves, don't even go around to the three-point line, get you that four stretch four that can shoot threes, just move him out, basically play him a three on offense and a four on defense, and just make that offense more versatile that way. I think that would be interesting to see that. Yeah, it would. It would. Uh, again, it's kind of similar to what I was talking about with Brunson. Brunson really likes to post up guys and, and oh, yeah. use, use his post moves and, and create separation that way. And that's what makes him so tough to guard. Uh, but I think for Westbrook's standpoint, I agree. But here's the thing. What they're going, what are they going to do? They're going to follow him. So he has to knock down his free throws. 66% from the free throw line. If you can get that up to 80%, it's perfect. Perfect player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't space the floor, but he has another skill set where because of the spacing in today's NBA, he, he could post up a smaller guard, be efficient. And that and if that big man, if that big man stays on on Plumley or Zubots or wherever they have at the five. He has a one-on-one mm-hmm. matchup. That's food. If he collapses, you throw a lob or a dump off like we, like we saw earlier. So uh, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's very possible. But the only thing is what happens when Kawhi and Paul George have the ball, right? Pick yeah. and roll. It's, I'm not saying pick, those, pick those guys roll. like to play on the block as well, especially Kawhi. It's, it's I pick, mean, you're going to have the point guard on Westbrook anyway. So, I mean – if you pick and roll and they switch, you got a mismatch for them as far as size. Let them go play bully ball. I mean, that's just quick thinking with you. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could definitely. He's gonna have to make that pass. He's gonna have to make that pass. But when, but when Kawhi is in his spot and they load up, and it's low on the shot clock, that's that's the thing. If they get to oh, their no, no, sets, no. if they get to their sets earlier, then yeah, I agree. You know, but more no, we, West- when, when we see oftentimes if there's be, if there's good defense being played. Uh, it's, it's usually more they give it to Kawhi real fast. He's gonna have to make that shot. But if they're willing, mm-hmm. if Kawhi and Paul George are willing to pass it to Russ in the post and, and make it interesting for him, then that just that just takes their offense to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we've also seen Paul George and Kawhi. You know, even even with that, they're so good. They feel like they can split the double team off that screen. They don't right. have to give it to Russ. They could get that take, get the air one, make three points. So they, they're gonna they have to just continue to grow together as as a team and. Uh, but more importantly, offense is not the problem. It's really not. Even with Russ being it's out deep. there, it's the defense. Yes, that's that's what's really been struggling for them over these last few games. They're, before the trade deadline, I mean, before the All Star break, they were one of the best teams in the league. Uh, they were they were they were on a, on a great win streak. You saw what Kawhi, uh, Kawhi's record was when he was scoring thirty points a game. They were one of the hottest teams in basketball, and then just I don't know what happened defensively. They just haven't been able to communicate. And be and be uh, in lockstep as one out there for, for those five guys, and, and that's really concerning, especially when we've we've deemed 
Kawhi and Paul George, you know, two of the, you know, two of the most dynamic two-way wing defenders we've seen in the NBA in our generation. So they those guys have to be leaders on that end as well. The offense the offense has never been the problem. It's defense. You blow a three-one lead in a in a series, it's because you, you weren't you weren't great defensively. It's because you weren't great defensively. Also, yeah, offense plays a factor, but you couldn't get any stops either. So they, they need to lock in on that end. They're, they're playing a team right now that doesn't have their best player in John Morant. This this is a this is a must win uh, for the Clippers. And they already have fifty four in the first half. It's good. It's great. No, I meant McDeeb. Oh, you talking about Memphis? Uh, Memphis. Yeah, that's that's not too bad. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. So uh, yeah, so without Jaw. But but again, we we know we know Memphis's record without. Hey, seen this last year they were they were like twenty and three or, or, and two or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we, we see this already. They just got to weather the storm and just continue to get stops. Look at look at the stats right here. Last eleven games, points per game twenty seventh, field goal twenty sixth, three point uh, per game 28th. Like the last eleven games have been so bad. I just don't know what happened with with their team defense. Look at this. They're not that was a how you just let him get that one, bro. And also, also another what another problem is they don't have a rim protector in the middle to shrink the paint. They don't have a rim protector in the middle to shrink. You're not the a zoo. Oh, that was a nice talk about Zubas. You're not I'm a Zubas believer, bro. I'm a, I'm a Zubas believer, but he's not an elite offense. Rim. He's not an elite rim protector, bro. He's not. A, he's not. I mean, he, I mean he, he's not an elite rim protector, and they're gonna. This and this is what they're gonna do to Jokic too. Whoever who, Jokic, yo, whoever's whoever's guarding Jokic, I'm set that screen. Mm-hmm. Gonna set that screen, get the mismatch on Jokic, and make him work on defense. That's why Ty Lue can't play Zubats down the stretch in games because he, if they if they, if you're going up against a team that has spacing and he's on the island, that's a mismatch. He doesn't want to watch Zubats get cooked by Curry because. You know, Kate, you know, because Paul George and Kawhi don't want to switch on the screen. You need versatility out there, you know, guard in space. Hey, you know, I mean, I have I, I have seen Zubox actually hold his own against uh, perimeter players. I mean, it's not a, like it's not a, like a regular basis, but I mean he 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 is capable of doing it on occasion. Yeah, on occasion, yeah, I would hope so. You know, he's I mean I can guard anybody on an occasion, but like uh, <laughs> situation not on his occasion. <laughs> Situationally, he should be able. He should be able to, you know, obviously make some stops here and there. But I'm saying, if he was an elite rim protector, I, I don't know why Steve Ballmer, man. I, that's that's something I would have been looking at. I would have been trying to find a rim protector to to be behind Kawhi and Paul George. That just takes their. That just takes it to another level. People forget about we, we look at Pippen and Rock. We look at Pippen and Jordan, and that's what you know. These crazy crazy analysts tried to compare these guys to. Uh, but they also had Rodman out there doing the defense. Yeah, they had Rodman, they had Luke Longley. Yes, and, and before Rodman got there, they had Horace Grant. They had they had Cartwright. Mm-hmm. They had those guys defensively in the middle um, playing defense. It, it's un, it's underrated. It's underrated. You need a rim protector in the, in the middle, man. The Suns don't have it. The Mavs don't have it. That's why I favor the Lakers if they could get it right because – their two best players are paint-oriented teams, and I look at the centers on those other teams, and they I don't see any type of resistance. <laughs> That's why I picked them, bro. That's why I picked them, bro. It's, it's straight up. You, you, if LeBron calls for the screen and Aiden is right there, what's going to happen? That's a, that's a bucket. Pinned on the backboard. What yeah. teams do we consider have, like, an elite rim protector besides, like, Boston and Milwaukee? Maybe Miami. The one, the one Milwaukee, Milwaukee does. 
Sixers. Yep, Miami. The, all the teams that get to the Eastern Conference Finals are better, right? <laughs> except yeah. six, Atlanta six. in a way with uh with uh, Clint Capella. When they, yep, when they Cleveland, that, Cleveland with Jared Allen. But they ju- they're just now getting to yeah they're just now making that making that noise defensively now. But yeah, they got Jared Allen in there. The Knicks with Mitchell Robinson. Yes, we got rim protectors, man. That's what so you it's, all, it's all mostly Eastern Conference. Hey, hey. Dr- Draymond. The main Draymond. question. Draymond's not you know Draymond's not Matumbo, but he nah. knows how to move his feet and rotate and get to same, the spot. Same thing with Looney. The same thing. They know how to rope. They know how to. They read the defense. They know how to rotate at the right time and cut off that type of roll that will make it easier for the center to get an easy bucket to the layup. If if there was any type of penetration in the paint, they had Draymond has that type of IQ. A lot of a lot of these centers don't have that type of IQ, bro. And uh, and, and also a lot of a lot of there's, there's not a lot of communication out there either. When you see guys get easy 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 layups like that. That's because you're not talking when the, when the screen is set. You have to talk. What are you doing? Are you going under or are you not? Should I head? Should I drop? Like, you have to talk to each other. It's a team. Like, it's crazy. So those little things are going to matter in the playoffs against key teams, especially in the West. It's, attention to detail is the, most, is the most important thing in the Western Conference going forward because all the teams are good. So whoever executes that, that aspect of the game is going to advance the furthest. Simple. All right, Tran, we talked about the Nuggets a little bit. It's going to make a quick transition to them right now. Is Jokic padding his stats? So this this stems from a take from Kendrick Perkins a few weeks ago, kind of making the notion that that Nikola Jokic is, is kind of padding his stats. And to me, I feel like it takes away from what he's doing right now and the type of season that he's having, averaging a triple-double. The Nuggets are number one seed in the Western Conference. JJ Reddick came out and he, he's been getting a lot of criticism since this take, and he's kind of backtracked it a little bit. I, I felt like it wasn't necessary. He brought up the point in when Westbrook was doing the triple doubles, everybody said he was padding his stats. Uh, so why can't we say the same thing for Jokic? So it's a, it's a, it's a fair argument. It's a fair argument. For me, I don't really care that much as long as you win the game. Uh, I'm not really looking at. Yeah, it does look nice, but it looks better when you win. And when West, and if you look at Westbrook's win-loss record when he got a triple double, it's significantly more games over 500 than you would think. That's what people. That's what people sleep on. On that fact, when he gets a triple double, his record is really good. It's real, I don't know what it is offhand, but I remember, especially during that MVP season, uh, the first year, his MVP season when he was getting all those triple doubles, their record was excellent when he was able to get that. So if it's if you want to call it stat padding. Whatever, bro. A lot of these guys stat pad all the time. I don't understand why he came out and made that tape. It was weird to me. Um, it kind of takes away, you know, the type of season that, that Jokic is having. Just like I felt like when people brought it up for Westbrook, it was taking away the season that Westbrook was having when they started bringing that up. Why are you bringing that up, bro? You already know people do it. So what's the point of saying it? Makes no sense to me. But uh, nonetheless, it's still difficult to do. <laughs> like you got to rely on guys to knock down shots 10 times or make shots 10 times. That's tough. It's not easy. Got to get 10 rebounds. And then you already know everybody's trying to guard you. You got to get 20 points or so. So it's, it's very difficult. So um, I, the, the Nuggets for me, it's just, it's what I talked about. Defensively for Jokic, can he, can he step up and be able to be a, be a willing defender? They don't even have a backup center that's, that brings a type of presence in terms of protecting the rim. Thomas Bryan is, is not 
a rim protector at all, at all. And the reason why the Lakers got rid of him because he wasn't great on pick and roll defense. Plain, plain and simple, you need to be able to guard in space. And the, and what and how teams are going to guard the Nuggets are they, they're going to put Jokic in space defensively. They're going to make him work on defense, so he, he's tired on that side of the court offensively, especially down, especially later in the game. You have him, you have him in space from quarter one. By quarter four, he's going to get tired because not only is he guarding guys in space, he also has to do everything else for his team. Uh, so that's what these coaches are going to do, and that's what I'm. That's why I'm a little apprehensive in picking the Nuggets because if they go up against a team like an AD, uh, like like the Lakers, like the Suns, the Sun, the Suns would be, the, the, it would be tough to stop them, man, because a- Aiden can space the floor. Yo, Michael, CJ is riding on this Lakers train, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, want, I just want to see great matchups. I just want to, I just want to see the matchup. I want to see the matchup again. I want to see how better Denver got since 2020. I want to see it. Um, this is, you know, this is the most complete team they've had in Jokic's career. This is the best team Jokic has had in his career so far. Uh, and this is a guy that's won two MVPs already. So. There's no excuses for him. There's no excuses for him at all. Just like there's no, just like there's no excuses for Harden, like I talked about earlier, and for Embiid. You have to get to the Western Conference Finals and or the Finals. This is the year for you. This is it. There's no excuses, man. Uh, you need to step up in the playoffs. Of course, the guys around him need to step up. Michael Porter Jr. is the X factor, in my opinion. If he's able to knock down off-the-ball shots at an efficient clip on a catch-and-shoot rate because teams are going to load up on Murray and Jokic, it takes this offense to a completely, completely different level. It, it really does. So, they're they're a fun team. I'm a fan of Michael Malone and what he's done. I'm glad that the the Denver the Nuggets front office were patient with him. It could have definitely got fired a couple of years ago, but they mm-hmm. stayed with him. Um, and the team believes in him also from a schematic standpoint. Jokic has done a phenomenal job. Murray's back. Their offense is clicking on all cylinders, but that's that's the only thing that scares me. If what is what happens when they continue to have Jokic put Jokic in space defensively in those series? Can they adjust? Can they make the necessary movements uh, to you know to you know try to offset that? And if they're able to do so, I think they're going to go as far as possible. If not, they might lose to a you know they might lose to a team that has a little bit more spacing, like the Suns, maybe a Dallas as well. But the whole with the whole stat padding situation, it's just why are we why are we like discrediting greatness? You know, what Nikola Jokic is doing is just phenomenal. What Russell Westbrook did for like those three, four years that he was able to do it, it's just an example of greatness, honestly, man. I mean, Jokic is able to impact the game from so many perspectives on offense, whether it's scoring, playmaking, you know, rebounding the ball, you know, he's able to really make that impact. And, you know, and it's and it's rubbed off on a lot of guys like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., um, Bruce Brown, and, you know, the rest of these guys. So it's like, I don't understand why, why we're trying to take anything away from him. So it's like, I don't understand what Kendrick Perkins is trying to do from that perspective. But I definitely do agree with you, CJ. I mean, I mean you know, I've, I've alluded to this several times, you know, like, I feel like, the Nuggets are like this is probably the highest chance that they probably have of making it. It's really as high as we may have thought it was like maybe like a little over a month ago after the trade started going down. So maybe maybe the chances now are not as high as it was, and maybe they maybe they have gone slim. But I still do think that 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 this is going to be a good year for them to make it out. 
for the most part, they are healthy. But uh, besides, you know, Michael Porter Jr., you know, there's still questions re- regarding his health and whether he can be able to play, you know, in pressure playoff situations. But overall, I mean, I love, I love Denver. I love the, I love the, the uh, two stars that they have, and I love their supporting cast. You know, they add, they added Reggie Jackson in the trade deadline. I feel like, I feel like that was a really big pickup, and they still got other great guys as well. So. To me, Denver can still make it out the West. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not banking on. I'm not banking on that. But I still feel like with this roster, Mike Malone's a great coach. They can still make it happen. They still got to get through teams like Phoenix, maybe Dallas, maybe Memphis. You know what I'm saying? I mean, who knows? But I feel like this year, Denver's. I feel like Denver's chances are are definitely higher this year than what they were previous years. And I don't know if it's going to be that same way going into next year or even moving forward moving forward with this team. <clears throat> As for myself. Okay. I don't know. I guess maybe just because I mean like I think I think it's still high this year. And I mean I know that I know that the West has gotten stronger, but you know, some some teams may need a little more time to really establish themselves. So you know let's say for instance that the Suns may not make it out of the West this year. You know, but if they come back next year with the same possible same roster that gives them more time to flourish on the court together to build that chemistry. And there may, and there may be a higher chance, maybe same thing for them, same thing for Dallas, same thing for other teams who, you know, who are, who are adding new additions to their team. So that's why I feel like, you know, Denver still has a high chance, you know, they're still keeping that same roster. They added some new additions like Reggie Jackson, like I said before. So I feel like with them, you know, being the more consistent team throughout the West all season long, I feel like this is a, I feel like this is a really good chance for them to make noise in the West and make it out. I agree, Michael. What's your thoughts on Denver and, and Jokic? I do not think that he is padding his stats. And I think where Westbrook got a little bit of that noise was there was times where Adams was about to get the rebound and Westbrook would holler, hey, let me get it, you know, as off of a free throw and stuff like that. That makes it look more obvious on it. Now, is it wrong? No, it's not. Does it look weird? Yes. So I think that's where Westbrook got a little bit of the turmoil from the padding the stats Jokic absolutely not like what he is doing is leading his team he's he has led his team to be the number one record in the west in a strong west and I think they're on like a three game winning streak they're up well let me I don't want to lie to you guys they are in first place by six games over the Grizzlies who's probably going to lose a couple games without jaw however long he is out even though they played well without him last year on well while he was hurt I don't think padding the stats is a thing for uh, Joker on this. It's just he does everything. He's a big man. He's a center who's going to get in this place where he can rebound. He's so smart offensively. He knows when they collapse on the or the defense collapse on him. He knows where the open man is and where to distribute the ball. So he's going to be getting assists. He easily can score at will if they don't double him. So he's so big getting the rebounds, put him back in. It's just easy for him. So I don't think he's doing anything to pad his stats. Can I say that I've watched a ton of Denver games? I can't say that I haven't. So I I have not seen where there's been a time where Jokic have yelled at someone, hey, give me that ball so I can get my stat, you know. So I don't know where that's coming from. I really think it's just a, a weak take from Perkinson, Perkins on that to even think that someone's padding their stats. Like, that's why they play is to get the stats. So, I don't understand. The guy has won MVP two years in a row, and I don't think he's won it by padding stats. 
He's won it because he's been the best player in the NBA for his team to put him in the best position, not padding stats. So that's my point. Now, to carry it on as far as how far will they go, they're the best team in the West right now. There's there's just nothing you can say about it. Their record-wise and everything shows that they're the best. I would love to see the Suns put them out, just going to be honest, because the playmakers that they have – the uh, accountability that I think that Kevin Durant will hold some of their players with Chris Paul's leadership, I think the Suns year. Now this might be transitioning to us a little bit into our next category, but I'm going to wait and see if y'all have any things that you want to kind of extend on to on that though. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to say was, you know, in, instead of, instead of, you know, worrying about whether he's padding his stats, let, let's, let's try to break down film in it and watch why he's so impactful. And mm-hmm. why they and why they have the type of record? That's what these analysts need to start doing. They they, they right. need to start they need to start you know showing people the game. You, you could you could have your takes, you could have your hot takes or whatever. You know you could be hyperbolic at times and and get and go over the top when you're talking about when you're passionate about talking about basketball. That's cool. That's going to happen. That's inevitable sometimes. But let's 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 start showing the people the the game the right way because so many people go on go on these social media apps. And, and, and talk like they know ball, but they don't. And they use they use these same you know dry, lazy takes like stat padding to diminish what you know a guy like Jokic has been able to do over these last six or seven years or so. It's, it's been nothing. It's been nothing but dominant. Uh, it, it's him and him and Embiid seem to be the only centers in the NBA that decided they're going to be more than just rim runners. Mm-hmm. And we need to applaud them. We need to applaud them for that. Um, they're, they're they're highly skilled. And his ability to, uh, you know, be the quarterback of a team and also be the center, uh, it, it speaks volumes. And instead of people, you know, trying to pick apart what he can and can't do or what he's trying to do, <laughs> uh, we need to appreciate, you know, his his high basketball IQ and, and how successful Denver has been since he's truly been the guy. That needs to be talked about more. Next topic. Actually, one actually one more topic before we get here is uh, that I forgot to add. Big game for this guy during the week. Damian Lillard dropped seventy one points uh, this week. <laughs> it's just just a phenomenal a phenomenal feat for for Damian Lillard, man. Easily one of the best one of the best point guards ever. To me, he's the top five shooter ever. Curry, Ray, Clay, Damian Lillard, Reggie Miller. Those are the those are the top five. Those are the <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> those are the top five shooters in, in NBA history. Damian Lillard's range at 6'2 to be able to you know shoot from that far at a consistent clip. Pretty much since the year started, he's averaging 40 on 50-50-90 splits. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible what he's been able to do uh, since the new calendar year. I'm ex- congratulations to him. I'm excited for him. But this, this, is the, this is the point I really want to make. Portland, I'm just, I'm just not sure and I'm very perplexed in what's you know what's what's the move here? Like, what's your what's your plan? What's your goal with Damian Lillard on the Portland Trailblazers? Because 
I look at this Trailblazer team, and they're 11th. They're 10th right now. 10th. They're 10th, 11th. They're in playing spot. Damian Lillard is too talented of a player to be battling for playing position. 12, 13 seed. He shouldn't be in that category. He needs to be in top six, top you know, top six, top seven category. You see your other peers in Dallas. The Mavericks, they go and get Kyrie Irving in the trade. The Phoenix Suns, they go and get Kevin Durant in the trade. So two teams that you have to go up against uh, in the Western Conference got better, and they were already better than you, and they got better. But you have Damian Lillard. You have, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you have some draft picks. You didn't really trade much guys during this time. You had CJ. You had Nurkic. You didn't make big time moves. Why are you not doing all? Why are you not making all the all the moves possible to try to uh, bring another superstar or all star in next to Damian Lillard? I just don't understand that. What What are they waiting on? He's 32. He's he's pretty. He has to he has to damn near score 40 every single night for them to have a chance to win, not even just win, for them to have a chance to win. He has to damn near almost get 40 points. That's insane to me. He shouldn't have to be exerting that much energy. He should be on a team uh, where, yes, there's times where he gets 26, 27, but there should be another guy next to him in compliment that's also you know, taking some of that offensive pressure, I mean, taking some of that defensive pressure off of him on a nightly basis. Suns did that with Booker. Mark Cuban did it with Luka. Why aren't the Trailblazers doing the same thing with Damian Lillard? I'm so confused. I don't get it. They, 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 they need they need to wake up. They need to wake up, man, and they really do. I, I like Nurkic. He's a good player. I don't think he could be. I don't think to me, unless they you know restructure their team and figure out the other three players in that starting five. I he can't be a starting center on my team if I want to win a championship because he can't protect the rim and he's gonna and they're gonna put him out there in space and they're. Teams are going to put them out there in space, and I do not want to watch my center get cooked like that. Even if, even if I, even if I tell uh, the guy, the defender, to fight over that screen, more time, you just teams, just team, you're just still going to switch. You're still going to switch. Everybody's not going to fight over the screen every single time. And I, just, I really do not want to sit there if I'm a coach or or an owner of a team watching my center get baked like that. I need, I need him to be laterally quick to be able to move, uh, take up space. And protect the rim. That's what I need from my center if I was building a team. Um, and they don't have that. And that's why also that's another reason why they've, they've lost and they haven't been great defensively as well throughout the entire, throughout pretty much Lillard's career. They haven't been great because they haven't had a great rim protector. So I'm just, I don't know what, what's there you know, in terms of team building and and why, 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 is, the, why the lack of urgency? I, I'm confused. I don't get it. I thought after they traded CJ McCollum, they would try to uh, make a move for someone better than CJ McCollum. And here we are two years later and they're worse. <laughs> it's just, it's confusing to me. Uh, but again, congratulations to Dame. And also last thing, this is a guy that wants to stay. He's, he's been publicly adamantly over and over again to the public. I don't want to leave. I want to be here. So I, I just don't understand it. I, the guy wants to be a, a Portland trailblazer. Why aren't you doing everything possible to surround him with the team that could help him win a championship so he could be a part of something special for that city, which is what he wants to do? <coughs> Who's running the team? Like, what's what's really going on over there? That, that's that's those are questions that I'm just I really need answers for as a Damian Lillard fan. 
What's crazy? CJ. Go, go I'm, ahead, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad CJ finally on the train now because this is what I've been saying for the longest. You know what I'm saying? Like Portland does not. The thing about it is, it's like I've, I've, I've mentioned this several on several occasions. You know, loyalty works both ways. Damian Lillard, he's showing his loyalty, and he's going out there playing hard every single night, even at 32 years of age. But it just doesn't seem like the loyalty is just not. It's not coming from Portland side. It's not coming from the front office side. And I even alluded to this after tw- the 2021 playoffs when Denver or when Portland lost to Denver in six games. I was like, "Yo, Dame's got to put. He's got to put some pressure on the front office to be really, really build him a team." I feel like that is that is something that should be essential because it's like, "Yo, like you know what I mean? Like, like we're wasting too many years." And it's like I just don't understand like what I just don't understand like why Dame is so adamant about staying in Portland. I just don't really understand that. And it's like, you know, I like, and I, I get it. Like, you know, he ended up bringing the narrative of, oh, like, you know, when Russ got traded, you know, things started to change. And when somebody else got traded, things started to change. So it was like, okay, but it's like, so you, you rather stay in Portland to where it's like, you know, you guys are borderline playoff teams rather than take that risk and try to go and be a championship contender or like, you know, be a part of a championship contender. Like, you know what I'm saying? Dame is in year like what? 10, 11. Like you know what I'm saying, and it's like he's probably only won like probably like a handful. I'm saying he's probably he's probably only won like a handful of playoff series during his entire career. So it's like you know what I'm saying. Like we we all recognize you as like one of the top talents in the NBA. To me, I love Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is one of my personal favorite players. But it's like, what do you want your career to be remembered as? Somebody that decided to just you know stick around with a team that didn't really help him pursue a championship or are you going to do whatever it takes to possibly go out there and get you one? I get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you grew up watching Tim Duncan, Dirk, Kobe, Reggie Miller, all these guys who, who did, you know, spend the whole, spend the whole career with one franchise, but people forget Kobe was on his way out at one point. A lot of people may not remember that, but he was on his way out at one point. And then that's what may have like, you know, may have, Sparked, you know, the Lakers to say, "Hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and make a trade for another All Star." Then they got Powell. That's, ex- that's exactly what 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 happened. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. Exactly. Then, like <laughs> then, like maybe like maybe six months later, they traded for Powell Gasol. I want to say they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they ended up losing to Boston, but then after that, they ended up winning two straight. So it's like you know, I just feel like Dame has to do something. Is that that he does something? That can get this front office to say, "Hey, you know, we need to go ahead and we need to go ahead and be more aggressive as far as making moves." Or he just needs to be on his way out because, like I said, he's thirty-two years old. There's not a lot of more prime years you could say for him. So it's like, do whatever you can to put yourself in a winning position, honestly. Because I get it, you know, you love Portland, you want to stay in Portland, you know, you built the foundation out there. This is the team that drafted you, but at some point, you know, you want to be a winner, especially with especially with the high level play that he's been giving everyone. Last two points for me before we get to these last few topics for for Lillard is he said he said you know look at Westbrook the grass isn't always greener Westbrook went to different teams over the last five years been on multiple teams over the last five years he, you know he tried to make that comparison to me it's not a good one because the reason why Russ is on multiple teams is because he can't space the floor that's not the case for you you're one of the greatest floor spaces we've ever seen. So it's very different. Um, if you were if you were able to you know create your own destiny, if you want to go somewhere else, your your you know your shooting ability 
is what takes whatever team you go to or whatever team you're on mm-hmm. to the next level. That's something that's not that's not Russ's skill set. That's why it's been so tough for him to find a home um, post OKC. And then also I see these these old school players, man, and they love criticizing guys like Kevin Durant and and LeBron James for leaving and not staying on one and not staying on one team for their entire career. If I'm staying on one team for my entire career and they're not doing everything possible and they know my talent and, I'm, and they're not doing everything possible for me to win a championship, I'm not, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to, I'm going to leave after my first contract. I, I just am. You have six or seven years after, you know, after seeing me after my rookie year to be like, okay, this is a guy we want to build around. Okay. Do it. Do it. You can't you tell him you can't build the championship team in seven years. Wow. Wow, that sounds crazy to me. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have the job. You should not have the job if you can't build a franchise, if you can't build a contender in seven years with a superstar player on your team. So if, if you're not, if the team is not able to do that, I'm gonna weigh out my options. It's just like real life. I'm not gonna stay with a job for 10 years just because what? Like because they hired me or because they drafted me? I'm supposed to stay there for the rest of my career. Where, where's that in the life book? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, for these older players, they love getting on these on these guys for leaving and, and being mobile. To me, I'm like, no, you made the wrong choice. You you, you made you made the wrong choice. You should have you should have you should have left. You should have left. If you felt like those teams weren't um the teams you had around you weren't competitive enough, you should have left. Why stay? That doesn't make any sense. That's a bad business decision. It's a bad business decision. You look at Reggie Miller, he was on competitive teams. So I could I could see why he didn't want to leave Indiana. Those teams were very competitive. They just mm-hmm. couldn't get past the Bulls, couldn't get past the Knicks a couple times. And then obviously once they got to the finals, they couldn't beat Shaq and Kobe. It just he just came up short. Shaq, I mean uh Barkley, Barkley loves Barkley swears up and down that he just he stayed with the Philadelphia 76ers for his entire career. And we know that's not the case. He 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 left, he left and went to the went to Phoenix and asked and got and got traded. To Phoenix, and then he went to Houston and tried to build an old man AARP super team with Clyde, uh, Scotty Pippen, and Akeem Olajuwon. So uh, people forget this. Uh, people don't remember this. People love the and he and he doesn't talk about it. He says, "No, the difference is I got traded." What's there's no difference. The difference is you didn't want to be at that place, so you did whatever that you did whatever you needed to do possible to leave. That's it's the principle of it. The principle of it is that you left and you wanted to leave. The only th- that's the thing, the only- though, like they 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 try to get you with that, though, for like, oh, well, I didn't sign as a free agent. I was just traded like still nasty work, nasty, nasty word manipulation work. The only difference is the team benefited from you from you leaving. But you still left in principle. So these old heads that to me, they're jealous to me. They come off as jealous <laughs> and they try to critique these guys because in real life. There's nobody staying at one job for 10 years if that job, if that employer is not doing everything possible to make that environment the best situation for said employee. I'm going to go somewhere else. So why why do we not apply that to basketball? Because what? Because they make millions of dollars? I got your answer. It's weird. Oh, did I share the wrong screen? I did. I think I may have at least some conversation on why I think it is what it is. Let me go back and share the right screen. (laughs) Here we are. Because looking at from, shout out 
Washington with no trade clause with their their uh, cap sheet here. Dame in the next six years is getting 42 million, 45 million, 48 million, 51 million, 55 million, and 58 million. I looked at this actually the other day. We're talking to somebody, LeBron James, who is worth every penny that he is, is getting 44 million this year. And we're talking about a Laker team that is in Los Angeles making that kind of salary. To me, Portland shouldn't be having paying someone this much money and still be able to contend. So this is where I think they come into uh, what they're trying to figure out what they're trying to do. You can't really pay Dame what he's what he's making here and still be contenders because why not? You're, they offer them that money. In the that's, that's on them. And I agree. I agree with that. But they're already projected in the cap for this year. They're going to be $24 million in the cap for next year. For the actual cap space, they're $54 negative million dollars in the cap in 23-24 already. And okay, that's so with some people under $2 million on this uh, roster. So how can you make upgrades? Like, I don't know what you're going to do. The only thing I can think is you got to talk to Dame and say, hey, listen – I know this is your contract, but if you want a ring, we're either going to have to trade you to a contender that we get great stuff from you, from your value, or we're going to have to renegotiate this contract, spread it out for more years, or do some kind of incentives or something. Because well, you're going from 45 on one person to uh, 24 or 31 is the next, and then it's basically dropping off to being cheap players here. I mean, Cam Reddish is at $17 million. Uh, Nurkic is at 16 million. It's going to incline as he continues, but the rest are on dirt contracts. You got to win the world. Who paying Cam Red at 17 million? In the world? <laughs> That's next year. Of course, this year he's making five nine, but next year he's going to be making 17 million dollars. Yeah, he's probably gonna no. He's he's gonna get a new deal because that that's that only be one year left. So he's probably looking for an extension. I don't know how much the per year will be, but. I, I doubt it'd be around. I doubt it'd be around seventeen. Uh, so uh, to me, I, 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 that's not a good enough excuse for me because you trade a CJ McCollum, you, you have you have to make moves, you have to make plans, and you should already you should already know what your cap was and what your cap was going to be for for a long time now. And and why is your cap that way? And and when you have a guy like Damian Lillard, uh, that doesn't make any sense. It sounds like somebody's not doing a good job in, in that front office. You should you should you should be at a point where you should have a, enough cap to acquire another another piece that's around Damian Lillard in order for them to contend for a championship. I would trade I would trade Nurkic and I would also look at Grant. I, I would get both I would get off both of those contracts to try to get somebody else that that's uh, competent that could bring it every single night. And you you keep Simons obviously. Uh, Shaden Sharp is showing flashes. He still needs time to develop, but he's definitely showing flashes. Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish has also shown flashes. Um, interested to see how he plays in a uh, in a under under Billups, but yeah, I, I would I would maybe get rid of Grant and I, I would definitely trade Nurkic. There's, there's no way I would keep Nurkic through 20, 2026, 2027, paying him what is that twenty nine million dollars? Impossible, no way, impossible. Yeah, I just so to me that's not a good enough excuse, bro. I mean, it's like yo, it's your job. You have you hire people to manage cap. Uh, they, they they have people for I that, mean, so. with you guys on it, but I feel like what they've done is messed up by offering that much to get him to stay, and now they've put themselves into, I mean, fifty four million dollars in cap space 
luxury, basically, uh, that looks like they're still good luxury tax, but they have no money to spend is what it looks like. And do they have the money that they can spend over that? You know, it's, we're talking about Portland here. That's kind of a small market team that we're but, really. But here's my thing, though. Like, this is my question, though. Like, you know, when they were talking about contract extensions, why didn't they ask Dame to possibly take a pay cut so they, so that they could bring in assets to help win a championship? You know what I'm saying? Like, now, if they didn't have that conversation and, and they said, hey, Dame, we're going to pay you this, Dame's not an idiot. Dame's going to take whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's, 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 yeah. that's generational so, money. You don't turn that money down. I personally don't think Dame is in it to win a ring. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or a good thing. I just think Dame is happy with the money that he's getting, and he's loyal to that Portland area. And I will try my best to win more with the roster you give me. And as long as you keep paying me these multi-million dollars a year, I am happy. I disagree. I disagree. And it's, it's sad that you came up with that narrative. And I think the reason why that narrative is created is because the Trailblazers haven't put a team around him. So now it looks like, oh, yeah, he's happy he got his money and he just he just he wants to put up a bunch of points. Let's remember, bro, he was in the Western Conference Finals against Golden State back in 2019. Like He wants to win, right. bro. He wants to win. Bro. Like, well, he not- wants to win. But if and I'm not saying that that is truly the way that he is. I'm just saying, judging by what's going on, that's what it looks like, because everyone says, why is he not out? Well, maybe he doesn't want out. Well, why wouldn't he want out? Well, he's getting paid fifty million dollars in five years, he, in a he, year span. So I mean, going, he was gonna he, he he might not he might not get fifty because because the Trailblazers could give him the more money than any other team because they drafted him. But he was mm-hmm. gonna get in the ballpark of of fifty million dollars fifty per plus uh, down the road by by some team. So to me, it's not I'm not looking at his money like that, bro. I'm looking at what are they doing to surround him. With pieces. They traded CJ McCollum. Okay. What else? Dame got hurt last year. You got the seventh pick. You dropped the Shaden Sharp. I hope mm-hmm. he becomes a great player. I, I really do. For their Shaden Sharp. I, I really, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they dropped the Shaden Sharp. I hope he becomes a really good player. But right now, he's coming off the bench. He shows flashes, extremely athletic, bungees. But you don't see him. pretty young. He's still super exactly. He's still super young. Has a lot of time to grow. He's not. He's not. Developed. But it's like Maybe, I mean, like just yeah, just looking at this roster right. though. Like this roster is uh, not. It's not Chevish. Bro, bro. <laughs> yeah. Why does why does why does Dame have to score seventy one against the Rockets? It's the worst team in basketball. <laughs> and they barely, they probably won with like fifteen. I think. Hey, bro, you shouldn't have to score seventy one <laughs> against the Rockets, bro. They're the worst team in the league. That should be a that should be a game where everybody's going off. Not. Dame, we need Dame to hit 70. What? Against the Rocket? I, man, Trailblazers, they need to do right. They need to do right by Dame. He's he's showing his loyalty, like Nick said. It needs to be loyalty both ways. And I feel like they're just taking him for granted, and I'm not a fan of that. I feel like the narrative should be they're taking him for granted as opposed to, oh, he's he, – I'm not, I'm not saying this is you, but I do, I do see a lot of people say this. Oh, he just wants his money. He doesn't care about winning. Like Instead of looking at that narrative, let's look at what the – let's look at what the front office is doing. Just because these players are, you know, uh, closer to fans because of social media, doesn't mean they need. Doesn't mean that we just we just stop critiquing the people that are running the team. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like people really forget that that other aspect, man. It's two sides. It's two sides. You, you know, what's so funny, CJ. Like what you just said about Dame. I said the same thing about Bradley Beal like three years ago when he made his extension. And everybody should have known the um, the Wizards were not going to be great. But everybody was on me. Everybody thought I was being a hater because it's like, oh, you don't want to see him getting his money. And about the money. Like, like 
there was a stretch where he where he scored like fifty in a row, like three three or four straight games, and they lost all four of those games. And they were mad at me because I'm like, well, well, he should have he should have never signed that extension. He should have went somewhere else. But everybody was like, no, you're just mad. Was he? You're just mad at him for getting his money. I'm like, it's not that. It's just that you know, like if you're a high level player, you should want to be in a position to win. Exactly. Exactly. Great point. Great point, brother. All right, real 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 fast, rapid fire here. We got this next segment. Top five players with the most pressure to win a championship. This year, to, like who wants to start this year? Yes, this year. This year. You could you could you could uh you could make it however you want to you could make it with most pressure of, to win a title. Old, old school players, you could you could put some you know some veteran guys that you know are that their window is shortening, or you could have a younger guy in there that a guy like Yoka Jordan Bede, who still have a lot of time left, but when LeBron was 27, 28, he was getting he was getting heavily criticized for not winning the championship. So how well, do you want to have say the, the whole I'm going ahead and saying the whole Nuggets franchise this year is their year. Like I know I know it's one player, but like if this team doesn't make it to the finals, like okay, what's going on with there? And we need a title from you. So like I think they have a lot of pressure on them. I'm also going to say uh, Chris Paul. I think this is his year to have a lot of pressure on him. I'm also going to add Kevin Durant to that. I might just count them as two together because you went to this team to make them to where they are. I'm putting that there as far as two. I think – draw me your piece. I'm going to put these two as number three together again, but I'm going to say Doc Rivers, who isn't a player, but with Embiid as well. Um, James Harden, we'll just add that as well. So I'm going to say that team as well is going to be my third – uh, this is no order, just my third part team. And then I'm even going to say that Westbrook, I think this is one of his on there. I'm going to put him at four with my Clippers, not my team, Nick. I'm just saying my conversation, okay? <laughs> Calm down. And then I'm going to make the fifth as my Clippers because we've been waiting three years for the Clippers to actually mount to something. Uh, this roster was supposed to be, and I'm repeating here. So when we talk about rapid fire, but the the Bulls of old, basically with Pippen and Jordan, and it's been basically AD and LeBron as far as the injuries. So that's where my five are. You're you're muted. That sounded beautiful, but you're muted. They're not. They're not AD and LeBron. I'm saying as injuries, but they're not AD and LeBron though. Because they still, even LeBron still won a championship. They didn't. So even I'm with just the injuries. saying injuries. Like AD has been out a lot. I'm not saying championships. I'm just saying staying injury prone. Obviously, they're not AD and LeBron because they got that Mickey Mouse ring. Yeah, Mickey, a Mickey Mouse ring that they couldn't get because they folded, bro. So tell the whole story. Oh, no, no. If I got a Mickey Mouse ring, I'd wear it with pride anyways, too. I'm not bad mouth. You know what's so crazy, though? It's like if, if the roles were switched, like let's say, for instance, the Lakers blew a 3 well lead and and the Clippers would have would have ended up winning the title that year. People would praise that ring yeah, way it's more. Cause, but it is, because all the media – CJ says, the media, it's the narrative. You said what? I said, as CJ would say, it's, it's the narratives. It's all what they want to say, like – since LeBron won it with the Lakers, it's it was the easiest one. If anyone else won it, it'd be like, oh, wow, look at the living style that they had to play in. They had to – or live in. They had to stay on basically the premises, live there. Everyone in was under the same circumstances. 
there was no home Everyone. court advantage. So really the best team at that time won because you can't have any fan persuasive of anything going on. You, you're not in your own with your family before you come to the game. You are locked into basically a camp. It's like summer league or summer camp ball where you're, you're staying in dorms and you're going to play where there's no fans. That's what exactly. that was. It's like AU. Yeah, it's like AU. Yeah. Exactly. AU, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, re- the, reason, the reason why – I don't want really to get into it. I'll just say this real fast, and I'll get into my five. But the reason why they um, <laughs> rapid fire, <laughs> yeah. The reason why they the reason why they get on the Clippers is because, oh, well, the reason why nobody they critique the Lakers about the chip is because everybody picked the Clippers to win a championship that year. Yeah, in, tw- in 2019, when they acquired when they acquired Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, all the old national sports media, the old they everyone picked the Clippers. Everybody thought the Clippers were going to win. They were going to be the better team. It didn't matter if LeBron it was if, if LeBron and AD were together. It was Clippers, Clippers, Clippers all day. That's what everybody was saying. You could go back and watch it. Uh, it's, it's, Clippers it's in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. People say yeah, Clippers in Brooklyn. That, that was well, not really because KD was out during that time. But uh, it was, it was really just everybody was. Everybody just thought it was going to run through the West, and that's that's what it was going to be. And when they folded, uh, and then when the Lakers beat the same team that they folded to and win the championship, then all the poopy that picked the Clippers are going to, of course, they're going to diminish the Lakers. Of course, they're going to diminish the Lakers. The media, they do a great job of telling the story. Of, uh, they, they tell the story how they want, depending on who they want to be the protagonist. That's it. My top five. Number five, I got Joel Embiid. Number, it's, it's, re- it's, really, it's honestly right, it's real similar to, to Michael's. Number four is Nikola Jokic. Three is Russell Westbrook. Two is Chris Paul. And number one is James Harden. Um, now it's really between three through one is really interchangeable because I feel like that window for, for all three guys is, is shortening. Chris Paul, obviously short, shorter than the other two because he's older. Um, and then now also because you got Kevin Durant on your team now. So it's even, it's no excuses, really no excuses now. Uh, so Chris, Chris <laughs> Paul is none, zero, <laughs> zero. Uh, you're a spot up now. Like you should be blessed. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> might be, might be one. He might, he should be one. Actually, I'm gonna switch it. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put Chris Paul one. Not bad, not bad. Um, I mad at that. I'm gonna go. I mean, this is this is in no order. I'm gonna go James Harden. I feel like James Harden should definitely. I mean, especially with the team that he has now, I feel like he should. Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, um, Luka Doncic, and then Chris Paul. Luca, okay. I mean, you got you got Kyrie now. You know, we we've been saying this whole time. You know, Luca needed another star. Now he's got him. Yeah, but I still don't think adding Kyrie puts him at championship level. I, I, I mean, to me, to not? me, they still to me to me they they still need more pieces. I think they need a better supporting yeah. cast around them. And like once they get that, who the matter? They'll be up and running. Yeah. What supporting cast? Wait, do you you believe in their supporting cast? Bro, they got Christian Wood. Christian Wood can score. Tim Hardaway, Cleaver. Jason Kidd don't believe five. in Wood. He does. He doesn't utilize Wood the way that he should. Because I don't know, it's something, bro. It has to be something with him. It's, it's not. It's not Kidd. It's not Kidd. It's something he's doing wrong. But uh, yeah, I think I think they have enough, bro. When Tim Hardaway Jr. streaky. I mean, he could be a great player, but he can be also be inconsistent. Bro, they were, I don't think the pressure's not too crazy, but. It's getting there for for Luca. It's definitely getting there. All right. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. 
Battle of the NBA Eras. So this this stems from a um, a conversation that JJ Reddick had on first take with, with Matt Del Russo, and, and and they were discussing obviously the difference between eras. And I think I think Curry was a topic, and and Reddick came and said Bird wasn't defended the same way Curry was. That's why Curry's a better shooter. And and obviously Mad Dog being a, the old the OG of OG basketball fan, he's gonna stick up for his time and when he was younger and how he watched the game. And this, you know, this uh this triggered a lot of a lot of old heads coming out, a lot of old older veterans, Michael Cooper. He came out and told called Reddick called Reddick a uh, a poor man's Danny Ainge. Uh, and said, and said, if he was, said, if he was playing, he'd, he'd lock him up. Obviously, Michael Cooper, former defensive player of the year. So he has the cachet to definitely talk that talk. And he, he told JJ Reddick pretty much, listen, watch, watch the games. Watch, the, you're not really watching the games like you should be. He said, Larry Bird is one of the greatest shooters ever. He said, just, he said, just because the threes weren't prioritized like it was, if, if Larry needed to hit a three, he would. That, that was, you know, and, and paraphrasing what he said, uh, what Michael Cooper was talking about. Uh, so, do you guys realize? And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm no, stopping you here, but it's the end of the third quarter, and Memphis already has 112 points. It's the defense. I'm telling you, it's the defense. It's Clippers defense, bro. Without it's jaw. Not- but anyways, that's crazy. Uh, so are we just kind of going with what era do we think? And I'm assuming we're going by decades in, right? Yeah, yeah, what era? And then I wanted to bring this up too. This ties right in. This is such a nasty take that I saw online. Uh, here, here we go right here. So this is this is a, a one tweet from Legion Hoops, right? It says, George Carl says, Michael Jordan will average a 40-point triple-double in the, in the NBA today. Agree? And then we have this guy, uh, John, I am John W., he says, uh, Michael Jordan. Laughing at what he said, yo, this is crazy. Michael Michael Jordan would would literally be Demar Derozan in this era. So, uh, Michael, what's your what's your thoughts on on that take? My thoughts are on John I M underscore John W's take is obviously you don't have a basketball podcast like MNC Hoops. I'm just gonna say that because clearly ever say that Michael Jordan would be in no disrespect to DeRozan, but like he's literally the debate as the greatest of all time and always wins that debate to say that he is a DeRozan of today's time. Like, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to, I heard a story once that you can't, I'm not even going to do that. That's going to take too long, too. I'm just going to say this. Michael Jordan's the greatest ever. I don't care what era you put in. If if you had to play rough, he went in and banged with the boys down low and would still dunk on them. If he needed to make a bucket from the mid-range out, he'd still push off on Russell at that mid-range to hit the game winner to, to win that ring. If he needed to hit a three, he could hit a three, but the threes just weren't, weren't shot that much then. So, like, he could have been that well. Like, percentage-wise – he probably was 35% from three, and he probably didn't shoot that much. So even with a lower percentage, technically he didn't shoot in a bulk amount of shots that we're going by now. 32, so, 32% Jordan from three in his career, 32%. 32, and that's probably on a, a small scale sample size, you know, and it's 
not what they did. It was mid and in, basically. You know, you had your sharp shooters that did the threes. If you needed a three or if he was open big time, then he would knock it down. So that's stupid. I just flat out say we can walk that fine line of what we was trying to say as far as John back trail a little bit to make it sound more professional. John underscore whoever you are, you dumb. So that being said. Oh, yeah, Nick. Nick, Oh, yeah. Go go ahead. ahead. Go wrap it up. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. What's your take? Because, I mean, honestly, you're laughing. I hope it wasn't at my comments. I hope it's his. No, that is the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen, bro. DeMar DeRozan, bro. Like, and look, I mean, this, this is no disrespect to DeRozan. I love DeRozan, but I swear, do people do people watch like the Bulls? Do people actually watch the Bulls in the nineties? Like, now look, I, I, I disagree. I don't think Michael Jordan would average a triple double, but he would definitely average around forty plus, especially in today's spacing and what he was able to do back in the nineties with where there barely was any spacing. Now, so give it. Jordan wasn't really the most. Jordan really wasn't like a knockdown shooter like that, but it's like you just never necessarily know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he could possibly still thrive in today's NBA. Or, I mean, he would thrive in today's NBA, but he possibly would develop as more of, like, you know, a premier three-point shooter in today's NBA. To, to For somebody to say he would be he would be DeMar DeRozan of today's league, is it's, it's disrespectful because Michael Jordan can impact the game on both ends of the floor. He's a winner. He's, you know, he does everything that, that a team needs in order to win a championship. And, I mean, we've seen it six times. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like that's I, – I don't know how somebody can literally just say that and just be bold enough to just stick with that, yo. Like, that's – I, 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 I don't know what people really think before they make these comments, yo. I really don't think they do. Yeah, it's, it's nasty work. It's nasty work. It really just really speaks to the uh, indoctrination of, the you know, the first take uh, undisputed little kids. And they grew up watching first take and undisputed for so long, you know, age 10, 11 – and they think that's basketball knowledge. They think that's how you learn the game of basketball by two people going back and forth, you know, being hyperbolic. And that's not how you learn. That's not how you learn the game of basketball. Uh, so for the first point, George Call, I agree. I agree. He would have definitely averaged a forty-point triple double. You see, him, Luca averaged thirty-three, eight and eight. So you telling me Jordan can't get eight, you know, seven more points, two more rebounds, and two more assists in this era? Come on, stop it. He easily would average a 40-point triple-double. So in a space. less packed-in defense. I don't know about Let's the triple-double part, but I definitely agree with the 40 part. He would oh, definitely average what, 40. What oh, wouldn't he had the, the double part in? Oh. Assist? Bro, Luca averages 38 and 8 right now. I mean, he may not average a triple double, but every game he's flirting with a triple double. It would be he would be right he would be right around a forty point triple double average, bro. I mean, it's just it's just facts. Looking, look, he would have been fouled a certain way, would have knocked down all his free throws. Obviously, he's a great free eighty five percent free throw shooter for his career. You look at the three. You look at his three point. You look at his three point percentage. Like Michael talked about, that wasn't a focal point of the NBA back then. It just wasn't. They, about that. The three the three point line was just brought in what 79, 80, that 79, 80 season. Uh, so you know during the eighties and the nineties they weren't really focusing on the three point line. Everything was very uh, everything was in the mid range, cutting to the basket, off ball screens. You know getting pick guys yes pick and roll using getting guys open through off ball movement and, and obviously the triangle and things like that. That was the type of offense that they did. It was very physical. It was a big man era. A lot of the big men were more skilled, so it was more it was a more uh, paint oriented type of league back then because the big men they they ran the league. 
Uh, and then Jordan came in and kind of, you know, changed it up by kind of being this dynamic wing uh, that could do a, that could do a multitude of everything. Really, Larry and Larry and Magic changed it up first, but then uh, Michael took it to another level uh, once the NBA started to become more popular. So I, I do think he would definitely get close to averaging a forty point triple double, uh, forty point triple double. I don't see why. It would depend on his team and what he has around him. But if he played in a five out, four out, four out, one in type offense like Luca does, easy, easy work. And then, and then to you know to John's John's take again, it's just he's indoctrinated by uh, undisputed and first take because it's, this is just nasty. This is a disgusting take, and it's easily hands down one of the laziest takes I've ever seen. I've seen I've seen this take for years, for about maybe I want to say about five six years or so. Um, I've seen I've seen this very lazy take. Makes no sense. He's pretty much saying just because DeMar DeRozan takes mid-range shots like Jordan took mid-range shots, that's what Jordan was going to be. Disgusting. It's just it's just so so lazy. You're really doing yourself a disservice as a fan. You're not adding context to the situation like I just talked about in terms of what the league was back then when Jordan was playing. If he would have played in today's era, he would have definitely had the work ethic and got up more threes. We saw him hit seven threes against the Trailblazers in the NBA Finals. So that's not something that he would have been scared to do. He would have developed that shot easily. So, you know, DeJohn, I'm pretty sure he just did this tweet for clicks and, you know, he got it. But more times, there's still a lot of people that think like this, and it's very scary. And, and you know, hopefully they stay away from any type of basketball knowledge or running a team or anything like that because it's just it's just sad. It's just sad and comedy. It's just really comedy. And one of these days, we got to start bringing people on the show and start really debunking all their narratives for real. Wow. I literally am looking him up right now on Twitter to ask him if next week he wants to come on this show yeah, please, and talk about this. Please, man. Please, because – it's just, it makes no sense. It, it really doesn't. And, and I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. When, when you watch these shows, that, that's, that's all I hear. All I hear, is the, all I hear is the same takes from Skip and, and Stephen A and all these years. That's all I hear, bro. I don't hear, I hear zero context. It's sad. Calling DeMar DeRozan is, come on now. It's lazy. Like I said, it's just, it's just because they both take mid-range shots. It's so lazy. It's so lazy, bro. Like I mean, but it, I mean, it's just like you said. I mean, context is everything. Because I mean, context you can't is everything. Just make a, you can't just make a statement like that and then just leave it. I mean, he's he, he discrediting the work ethic of Jordan, the defensive ability. Like what? Yeah. On, like bro, bro MJ like in his that. first like eight years averaged like thirty, at least five or six times. Of those eight years. thirty. He averaged 35 and five for his career, bro. That's what I mean. Like 40 point triple double. That's easy for him, man. It would have been easy for him. <laughs> Too easy. Like he was doing it in the late 80s. What are we doing? What are we talking about here? Yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad. It's all right, man. Hopefully he learns basketball one day. All right, last topic. We got the MVP MIP ladder. Uh Mikey, you want to start it off with the MIP list? We should top five, brother. Hang on one second. I'm about done here. All right. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> See, he's willing to come on, man. Let's debate. Let's debate that. Well, he's even made a couple more comments, which is about this game that I'm watching here, which is Memphis is up 121 to, I think it said 108 against the Clippers. He said, uh, Kawhi and Paul George getting beat by the Grizzlies without four of their best players. Laugh out loud. Then he goes on to – five minutes later, say the best two, two-way two defenders in the NBA are letting Ty, Tyus Jones have nearly 30 points in three quarters. They are the most overrated duo in the league. 
Oh, so so we agree somewhere. <laughs> so with that being said, um, coming in for this week, I've changed it up just a little bit on a couple of players. Uh, two new people that hadn't been in the MIP as of yet, as I marked down my time, so I know that I, we got that timestamp where we at here. We are at. The, uh, one I'm happy to uh, mention is. Maxi for the 76ers hit one of the, I think he flirted with a 20-point almost triple-double this week at one game. I really feel like he is helping, stepping up quite a bit. You know, even earlier when we were talking about the Phillies, we were talking about how Maxi is almost flirting with being the second option. Now, of course, CJ said that it's hard and still, but, you know, we talked about how well Maxi has been playing, and so I've got him coming in at five. Another one I've got him coming out for. This one might make Nick a little happy. I got uh, Mikael Bridges after his trade. He's been averaging a lot more of his points and everything. His points are already up from this season compared to the last, and he's really started making some noise since being traded to the Nets. Then I've got kind of the same as we go on through here. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I got Halliburton tied with Bridges. I wanted to give some love there. So I've got Brunson at three, Larkin at – or Larkin and – at two, and then SGA at one. Kind of just staying the same as far as we get at the top of the board there. What did you say, Larkin in? Marketing. Marketing. I did say okay. Marketing, didn't I? <laughs> Marketing. Combine both. <laughs> All right, my MVP ladder for week 19. Number five, I have Joel Embiid. Had a pretty, had a pretty solid week. Obviously got the big win last night against the Bucks and then snapping their win streak. Uh, number four, I got Luka Doncic. Got a W against Embiid during the week. Him and Kyrie uh, went crazy and got uh, 82 both had 40, 40 pieces. Yeah, 80, 82 points combined, 42 and 12 uh, in that game. He went, he went bananas. Number three, Julius Randle. Julius Randle. New York Knicks on a nine-game win streak, uh, playing some of the best basketball in the NBA. Hey, man, Jalen Brunson could really be in this in, in, in that spot for me, but uh, Julius, big-time shot against the Miami Heat on Friday night, uh, closing the show, hit a big three. Uh, in that game, sealing the deal, ended it in Miami. That was big. And obviously this this game against the Celtics in hostile territory at the TD Garden, one of the best teams in the NBA all year, to get this win in double overtime well, it was definitely special. I got to have him in my top five for my MVP this week. Number two, Nikola Jokic is just, just dynamic, dynamic, dynamic center. Uh, what he's been able to do so far, they're on a three-game win streak right now. Definitely credit to him. And then last but not least, even though they, they got the win streak snapped on, uh, yesterday, still got Giannis at number one. Got Giannis at one, 30, 33 and 12, easy work. Um, and he's, he's just he's just one of the best players in basketball, one of the most consistent, dominant players we've ever seen. And we need to also give him some more credit also. Big ups to Julius. Number Big ups three. to Julius, yes, sir. New York forever, baby. Let's go, man. Let's go. Nine in a row, beating the, one of the best teams in the East. And hit a game winner against Miami. Hell of a week. Had a hell of a week. <laughs> Actually, hell, they beat the Celtics twice in less than a week. Yes, yes, we did. Three, three and one against three and one against the Celtics this year. Feeling really good. Feeling really good. But all right, man. Uh, that that wraps up the show for tonight. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're watching we're on in, YouTube, what you said? in conversation. With oh, you're John. in conversation with the guy? Yeah, I did. We I did are in conversation. I, I did. I did. I did peep that real fast. 
Uh, oh, okay, if, okay. If you if you if you if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you like that. Make sure you like this video, uh, like this stream. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell as well for the next time that we upload the next video when we also when we go live again next Sunday at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern. Michael Lawson, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much MD Lawson zero zero on any social media platform. Finds you. Uh, in my link, I'm sorry, in my bio is my link tree that has everything that I'm attached to with that as well. Of course, if you go to Linktree and do the backslash at MNC Hoops, you can find everything that we are on as far as our platforms as well as that. We do have someone viewing us live right now. It just popped up. Hopefully it is John on the YouTube page. I hope it is you. But uh, we are signing off right now. But like I was saying, go go follow me on all of that. And, of course, the podcast, it will be up probably by Wednesday. Wednesday or Thursday. But uh, go subscribe to all that. I have the YouTube, of course, channel down there as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, Nick, where can the people find you, man? Uh, you got a new article out, right? Oh. God, yeah. New article on the Hawks? Um, yes, sir. Hawks yes, article? sir. Um, that one just released this past Friday. It was it was probably a preview of the Friday game between Atlanta and Portland. I kind of broke down, you know, Dame versus Trey Young and what to expect. So yeah, you know, I know I know it's past, but you know, make sure to check it out. Appreciate all the support as always. As for me, follow me on Twitter at Nick Andre ATR. Follow me on Instagram at Nick Andre ATR. Follow us at MNC Hoops all platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube. Um, subscribe to us on all other platforms: Apple, Spotify. Give us five star reviews. I think that we are deserving of that. And, that is that is it. Yes, absolutely. Linktree slash C James Nine. Find out everything that I'm working on. Twitter right there on the handle C James Nine underscore MNC Hoops on IG. MNC Hoops on Facebook. Facebook's getting a lot of love. I've been seeing a lot of notifications. A lot of people following our page. Um, a lot a lot of views that are watching us watching this show on Facebook. Really appreciate the love. Really appreciate the support. Um, just continue to share and continue to get our content out, man. Really appreciate it. And uh, Facebook was giving us love. YouTube, again, really trying to grow on this YouTube channel, really trying to keep it going, stay consistent with it. So hit that notification bell after you hit that subscription. And, uh, and let's, let's rock with the MNC Hoops family, man. We really thank you and appreciate you for your time. We'll catch you guys next week. Deuces. Deuces.